Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Eric, how are you, my friend? Ward, 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 we have lots to talk about and an unbelievable guest. But we got lots to talk about before we get to the guest. Where would you like to begin? Well, I'll let you decide. We can talk about interesting and good or horrible and tragic. Let's go with horrible and tragic so we can end on a more positive note. Okay. Here's what's horrible and tragic. And you're to blame. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, great. I know where this is going. <laughs> Look, we've been friends for a long time, and this may be the thing that ends it. I the mean, straw this, that this breaks. Could, yeah, yeah, I mean, truthfully, <laughs> I've been looking for a way out. The straw that breaks the hysterics back. So for those of you who don't know, haven't listened to as many episodes to know my personal story, just let me give you a little context here. I am divorced. Okay, Mandy, who I met in college, we got married out of college. We had three amazing kids together out of college. We were married for 15 years. I got divorced. It just wasn't working, and we we got a divorce. We remain extremely close friends. I live less than two miles away from her. We see each other all the time. She comes over. We have dinners together. It's we have as close knit of a family as you can have and be divorced. And I am so grateful to her for that. I then uh, am in a committed relationship and have been for quite some time with my girlfriend, Holly, who is a wonderful person. And she's just, she's phenomenal. And she has a young son and we all are, you know, it's all great. And there, there have been circumstances where Mandy and Holly are together. Seems and like a good idea. Does it, Ward? <laughs> because I don't think it sounds like a good idea. But they have had a couple times where they have hung out together without me. Nothing bad could possibly come from that. <laughs> <laughs> So both of them are huge supporters of the podcast. Holly, because she's my girlfriend and very supportive. She came back with us to Indiana a couple times. Very supportive. Mandy is from Indiana. So Mandy grew up with the teams that Ward and I both love more than anything, those late 80s, early 90s teams. Pictures of Todd Leary on her wall. Pictures of Todd Leary on her wall. 
So Mandy has listened to the podcast a lot. Mandy had never listened to a single podcast before our podcast, okay? So podcasting was not in the world of what Mandy's entertainment intake was. Mm -hmm. Late to the game. Late to the game. Less than a week ago, Mandy calls Holly while Holly was with me. We were in my house. Oh, boy. Holly goes into the other room. (laughs) And they're just having like this long conversation. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, seriously, what the hell could they possibly be talking about? So I couldn't take it anymore. After what seemed like six or seven hours, I (laughs) barged in. They were FaceTiming. I go, guys, what's, this can't, this has got to end. What's going on? And they said, we have an idea. And I said, well, what's the idea? And they were all both so excited about it. It it is a unique feeling to be bombarded with a great idea from your ex-wife and current girlfriend together. The feeling of conspiracy had to be consuming you. I, I, I thought they were going to murder me. <laughs> and here's what they say. What they said is worse than murder. It's worse than murder. Because murder, it'd be over. You wouldn't have to go through anything else. Right. Mandy said, so we've been talking, and I had this idea. Holly and I are going to start a podcast together. Pause for no reaction. And it's gonna be about divorce. (laughs) What? (laughs) What in the blue fuck? (laughs) Looking at both of them, one on FaceTime, the other in my face. They're smiling, (laughs) wanting me to like tell them how great of an idea this is. And I, I just start flop sweating. I mean, there is no good that can come from this. And this is all your fault. Because if you didn't come up with this idea for a podcast, Mandy would have gone on her merry life without ever listening to a podcast. Holly would never have thought about a podcast, Mm -hmm. would never have thought the two idiots like you and me could do something that anyone would listen to. And because you did that, Mm -hmm. they are going to produce a weekly podcast where they talk about divorce. The woman who divorced me and my first girlfriend since the divorce. Uh, who, who might be the second woman to divorce you. <laughs> <laughs> Surely will after this podcast. Look, look so, I, I, would, I would happily take the blame for this and fall on the sword. Because I, I see your point of view, why you want to put this on me. Yeah. All I can really offer as what my honest take on that is, is that it's my wife's fault who I'm not divorced from yet because she's the one who kept writing me about doing a podcast. I didn't have podcast idea. I didn't have podcast idea. Eric's texting me and aggravating me about IU basketball. Oh, peanut butter and jelly. Here we go. Hopefully two years from now, this will result in his ex-wife and his girlfriend starting a podcast where they just shit on him the whole time. (laughs) So it is Annie's master plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Mm -hmm. she home right now? I think she was actually FaceTiming with Holly (laughs) and with Mandy when they came up with the idea. Is she home right now? 
Yeah, you want me to go get her? You gotta get her. You gotta okay, get her. I'll bring go her. her. Bring her. Oh yeah. You 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 gotta get over here. Annie, I gotta talk to you. There she is. Now you guys cannot see her, but the lovely Annie Roberts is making her debut on the podcast. Annie, say hello. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Annie, has Ward told you why I am upset at him? Um recently? Yes, recently. <laughs> Um, no. All right. So just to recap, are you familiar with this breaking news that Mandy, who you know very well, and Holly, who you also have gotten to know, are starting a podcast about, well, let's just say it, about me? <laughs> it's going to be my favorite podcast. Oh, is it? Is it? <laughs> so I have rageful anger towards your husband. But he just told me, and he's right, I'm misplacing my anger. You are the one who told him to start this goddamn <laughs> in the first place. So it is your fault that this is all happening. But Eric, I, I have no control over, you know, the loves of your lives. <laughs> uh, I can't, you know. But you do, you're the puppet master. <laughs> started this thing in motion a year and a half ago, and now the chickens are coming home to roost. And the result is, I'm fucked. <laughs> you really are. I mean, yeah, it, is, I mean it, is, it is going to be a remarkable podcast, and I highly encourage everyone to subscribe. Is there is there any possible good that can come out of it for me? Be honest. Absolutely not. Well, <laughs> Well, you, you you are a wonderful man and an excellent oh. father. Oh, and thank you. Two and people a, and a and terrible two husband. Have fallen in love with you. Two yeah. people have fallen in love with you. <laughs> That's more than a lot of people can say. I really thought you were going to say you are a wonderful man, a wonderful father, and an awful husband. <laughs> and that is why there is a podcast coming out <laughs> about you. <laughs> uh, Annie, we love you. But Love you guys I, too. I am deflecting some anger towards you, and this will not be the last you hear of it. It's all Ward's fault. All Everything right, well, is Ward's fault. I agree with that part. I agree. Goodbye, with that goodbye part. Eric. Goodbye, Annie. Annie is the best. Annie is the best. I mean, she puts up with me. She's yeah. got to be in the top 10 all time She's for sure. All right. So listen, I don't know when this thing is going to debut. Uh, they won't tell me what topics are, are going to be. They won't will you be. will you ever be a, you have to be a guest uh, I, I can't appear on that something is gonna come up that shows that like something doesn't jive between them like the, somebody's gonna say something about me and the other's gonna go well that's not what he said that's not what he told me <laughs> and and it's gonna be innocuous but it's going to crush me I mean it is just going to be so much heartache and stress. I don't know why they're doing it. Well, why do they want to do it? I would imagine in part to elicit this kind of reaction from you. That's the first part that's really fun for them. And two, I, you know, I, I don't claim a knowledge of all the podcasts that are out there, 
but I haven't heard anything like this at all come up in my Spotify feed. And as a child of divorce and somebody who wants to hear other people shit on Eric, you know, I'm going to be tuning in. <laughs> you, you may be right that it doesn't exist in a podcast, but you know where it does exist? Unlike a thousand episodes of Maury Povich and Jerry Springer. That's where it exists. What's old is new again. Oh, God. All right, listen, I can't talk about it anymore. It's super upsetting. We're making light of it. But it's weird. You, I mean, I told you I wanted to start with the bad news, but it sounds like it's going to be all roses. <laughs> what else What else you got for me? All right, well, we got to talk about, there's been some huge recruiting buzz that's happened over the last really like 48 hours. Um, and, and a big piece of crappy news that we're not going to spend a lot of time on. I, that, I don't know. That Big Ten football's over. That's probably going to be official but, by the time this podcast goes live. Is it? Because I feel like it got reported that it was, and then nothing got announced. I mean, everybody's leaking that it was a 12-to-do-two vote. Nebraska and Iowa said yay, and everybody else was like, I'm out. And then what What I read from Rabbi on the forum seemed like the obvious reason that's the way it's going to go is liability, medical liability to all the universities. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But Even – they're not liable for bringing 40,000 people back on campus? Well, that's out of the Big Ten Conference's purview. I know, it just, but when you say the Big Ten voted, the people voting are the presidents of the universities. Right, yes. So the presidents are totally okay bringing students back where I'm sure they're going to be socially distanced at Foster Harper and every dorm <laughs> on campus and the, and the Evolved 19 apartments. I mean, I, I mean, like the hypocrisy does stink to high heaven. I mean, doesn't it? I guess, I just feel like when they have those scholarship athletes, I'm totally guessing, is there an additional liability for, as a student, I don't think I, uh, or the university had no responsibility over my health and medical bills. I, I re received medical bills from the university hospital when I had to go there for reasons we won't discuss. Gonorrhea. gonorrhea. Okay. Okay. Just so people know it wasn't <laughs> gonorrhea. It was the clap. No, it was, it was when the squirrel bit me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The people saw the Twitter video. I had to go yeah. in and see a doctor for the squirrel bite, and it yeah. wasn't a lot, but I paid for it. So I'm guessing those scholarship athletes, especially if they contracted in a practice in a game situation, the university's on the hook for that. All right, that's fair. I, I guess it's fair. It still seems like hypocrisy. I mean, it does. It's like, it, but by the way, if it's just that, it's just weak. It's like, because... You know, we did have Pat Shoulders on who gave us this speech about like, these kids are, you know, they're adults, they're not kids, they're 18, but, but come on. I mean, you are the university, you do put safeguards in place and we're welcoming 30 to 40,000 people back on campus. It's like, there's gonna be spread of the virus because 18 year olds are idiots. I mean, they're yep. total idiots. We're idiots now and we're 40 plus. Yeah, so, no, I, I mean, I, I would hate to think of how I would have been responding over the last nine months as a college student. Totally. All right. So we're not, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the recruiting stuff that I'm sure most of the people listening to this know, but we'll just bring them up to speed. All right. So as everybody knows, we've been hard as hard as you, as hard as you can be after Trey Kaufman for many years now. I mean, really for a long, long time. Yep. And he is priority, it seems, number one, two, and three. Correct. The 21 class seems to have, like, 
taken a sideways step here because it didn't seem great with Blake Wesley. Caleb first committed to Purdue. We did get Lander, who came into the 20 class. But then Trey, over the last couple weeks, started making it clear that Virginia is on that top line with Purdue and Indiana. And he wants to listen to North Carolina. Well, then, over the weekend, I mean, it seems like all hell broke loose. Well, the good news was that Logan outplayed Caleb in the Battle of the Brands. That is true. Let's be excited about that. Logan Duncombe blew up, scored almost 30 points, double-digit rebounds, took Caleb to task. It was great. Highlights you can see on YouTube. They're amazing. Uh, And by all accounts, Snow's report, Rabby's report, Peeg's report, he just smoked the guy and, and has a motor that doesn't stop. Here's to many years of that happening in Big Ten play. I'm with you. And Trey Kaufman had a very solid game, and so did Blake Wesley. Right, but they haven't committed to IU, so we can't be that excited. Exactly. But then a guy who Indiana got all hot and bothered by a year or so ago named Bryce Hopkins out of Oak, was it Oak Hill or Oak Park in oh, the I'm, Chicago area? Uh, yeah, Oak Park is is uptown near I could be Chicago. Totally He's in oh, Illinois. Oak Hill's that great academy, a bunch of great players. Oh, all right. So he's in the Chicago area, Illinois area. He commits to Indiana was hard after him. It was a fast thing, but they really loved him. He's a guy who started his high school career as like 6'3", 6'5", and then his junior year went from 6'5", to 6'7". He's got some baby fat on him, so his body isn't fully developed, but he has really taken off. His game the last two years apparently has blown up all the way up to number 33 in the national rankings. I mean, this guy, no, he was, I mean, if you look at all the guys we're recruiting, he's the highest, well, Aminu Muhammad is the highest, but Bryce is up there. It would be the highest ranked guy from the class that we're talking about if we don't get a Since we got Christian already, we always, I always have to give Archie and company credit for for learning the stud of that class a year early. Yep. And then Bryce Hopkins, because apparently the word is that Louisville is about to get <laughs> shit hammered. It's so good. No matter where Hopkins goes, it ain't going to be there. It's going to be so good that he bailed and he decommitted. Well, guess what? We got spots open. We do. So now at, there's real buzz about how hard are we going to go for Hopkins? Snow reported that he has definite interest in Indiana. There's going to be other schools going for him. As an added wrinkle to this, guess who he is buddies with? Um, I don't know. Blake Wesley. Oh, boy. They played together on the circuit. They know each other better than Blake knows Trey and those guys. Okay. And then add to that, Trey Kaufman, let it be known, that if there is no high school basketball season. Yes, I like, I like this part. He's a, like a valedictorian candidate in his, in his class. And if there's no basketball season, he's like, well, the hell with this. I'll fulfill my high school obligations academically. Get the hell out of there in December. Enroll in the school early, red shirt that year. Have access to the nutrition, the weight program, learning the offense, learning the defense, practicing. Yes, and be please. there for a full nine months before he plays his first game. Please, please, please. But to do that, the school that he goes to has to have open scholarships for 2020. So we are 
in the midst of that recruitment. Where a week ago, I went crazy thinking high alert. Look, man, Hopkins, Wesley, Mason Miller joining Logan Duncan, even if you don't get Trey, holy hell, now we're cooking with, we're cooking with gas. The mercurial nature of the off-season recruiting trail has really reared its ugly and then its beautiful head within a span of several days here of, oh, UNC's in the mix with Trey, Virginia's up there with us, Purdue apparently is still a player in that, which, I mean, I guess maybe he had a cold when he went to Purdue and he couldn't smell what it was like yeah, up there. Yeah. And, and it clouded his eyes, couldn't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and then it's fun to get into the, the forum chats and see, well, if we got Hopkins, would that scare off Trey? Okay, fine. Give me one of them for sure. I saw somebody post, uh, well, the staff has invested way too much time into Trey to lose him. What? If you get Hopkins and Wesley or, or uh, Mason Miller, if you get Hopkins and Mason Miller, who cares if you lose Trey Kaufman? I don't care if the staff was babysitting him from the time he was an infant. All that matters is who comes. When we're talking about who could play together on the court and people have really strong opinions about this and they'll get snow and rabby to weigh in. And it's like, you know what? Give me those top 40, top 50, top 80 talents. I think we'll figure it out. Is yeah. he a power? Is he a power forward or a, or a swing four? He's big, he's athletic and he can get the ball in the hoop go out there and figure it out if you just get the talent if anything we've we've really gone into here as of late with statistics backed up by IU and Philly and conversations with Rabbi is talent wins and look the one thing i think about this all this hopkins hype is it it maybe turns the the pressure up on Trey a little bit to pull the trigger if he's already thinking that might happen and it's like oh well Hopkins is looking at this place seriously and he does have these reservations about somebody comparable to him that might be taking some of his minutes. Maybe that lights a little fire under his ass to say, you know what guys? No, no, I do want to come here. I just, I like to being courted by those other programs, but I, I, I want the spot, whatever. Totally. I, and look, we do need shooting. I mean, you, if you, I mean, Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky had a team a few years ago that had a ton of talent like they always do and couldn't shoot to save their lives and they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So you do need shooting, but Mason Miller can shoot. Mm -hmm. You know, Christian Lander can shoot. Yep. Armand Franklin should develop a pretty good shot. Trey Rob Kaufman, should be I mean, Rob should be able to to keep yes. him spread out by so, a senior. Uh, you know, I mean, we should have enough guys, hopefully by then also like maybe an Anthony Leal. Jordan Geronimo are developing. Who knows? But, you know, Snow, I know, is big on the we, – we have to have shooters. You can't just put a bunch of guys in that, that don't fit together. But it does seem like a weird thing right now where it seems like if you get Trey, it eliminates Hopkins and may not allow you to get Blake Wesley. And if you get Trey Kaufman, you're not going to get Mason Miller. I mean, that's – But I, I just – from – from the roller coaster ride of Blake Wesley, which is it's mostly been valleys and not been peaks. And I know he's an unusual yeah. kid in the way he just kind of talks to the media off the cuff and he doesn't have prepared statements, which is uh, refreshing. Yeah. But to me, I've just 
never really allowed myself to to think that was a real possibility. I know. I'm with I get that. That's a fair point. I didn't know that he and Hopkins had that relationship, but at least it's fun that a killer 21 classes back on the table because that that sand seemed to be slipping through through the hourglass pretty rapidly and now it's like oh wait no hold on here's something to give us hope for the I, next few I weeks i still maintain if trey kaufman commits that is not enough in that class you need another top 80 guy for that class to be really solid and i just wonder in a weird series of events, does getting does not getting Trey allow us to build a better class? It's one of the crazy things about recruiting. I would rather that experiment play out because uh, Hopkins and Wesley commit together, say tomorrow, yeah, and then Trey goes away rather than Trey being like, "No, I'm not going to go to IU," and then we have to hope Fair that enough. there's a silver lining down the line. Fair enough. All right. But look, here's the other thing about all this stuff. There's only one place to go. To, I mean, there is so much going on right now. There is only one place to go to know that you are getting credible people with real sources who aren't bullshitting, who are giving you chatter when appropriate, but telling you the up-to-date gossip that's happening. But it's even more than gossip, it's they give news. People on the boards can trade in gossip, but Rabbi and Snow are, and Mike P. Pegram are giving us real stuff that is really interesting. And there's only one reason for that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say probably the most valuable thing they bring to the table is that they power us. Bye, P. <laughs> I, I shat the bed. <laughs> Oh, you can Why'd you cut me off? Well, I meant I meant to say you. I couldn't hear you. I know we'd been doing the thumbs down instead of the thumbs up, but I. It was, but you I was cut me off, and then you put the thumbs up. Look, I haven't worked in as much taped live live to tape television as you have, so I just kind of went. You know, you panicked. You panicked. Panic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's one of the worst siren calls we've ever done. Well, I mean, I completely botched the setup because I realized, oh, Eric is giving me this great long setup. You could have just said, you could have just said powered by. Like I know. Always do. God damn it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but there's, before we get to our guest, I'm sorry for the long intro, but so much is going on. We got to talk about another potential terrible piece of news. Oh, wow. I did. I, I thought the bad news was good news and that was all good news. What, no. what, what now? It's been reported by a few people in the know that Kinsucky is going to lose an assistant coach who's going to go to the pros, probably the Knicks. Don't do it, Brew. And there is a real possibility that Coach Calip Calamari <laughs> he calls up his old buddy. <clears throat> he calls up his old buddy, Bruiser Flint, and Bruiser Flint heads over the state line, drives his but to Lexington and becomes the next assistant coach for Kentucky. And we never talk to Bruiser again. Yeah. Bruiser, if you're listening, if you value our friendship. Which he doesn't. Not, he does not. And I he know shouldn't. you. And he should. Well, and I, my first reaction was like, wait, what? No. What? 
And then I remembered, oh yeah, we talked at length with Brew about him and Cal are boys. And no matter how wonderful of a relationship he may have developed with Archie in their years at IU, him and Cal are thick as thieves going back to the early days. And uh, that is, that is a tough, tough hill to climb. If you're IU, I don't know what Kentucky's paying their assistance these days. The answer is more. Yeah. I guess I should have phrased that. I don't know how much more. Yes. There's no way Indiana will match the salary and there's no way that Indiana can match the ancillary salary that comes from being a coach Cal assistant, the camp money, the, and he does many camps there. There is just, and he pays his coaches for that. He gives them a lot of that money and it's real. I mean, that's real money for those guys. And, you know, Bruiser has got to make a decision that's best for him. It will be tragic for us because we feel like he is our best friend. And we will never speak to him again. He is our best friend, but you know what? He is our best friend. We are not his best friend. For sure. For sure. (laughs) I think there are challenges to recruiting out-of-state top-end talent at Indiana that don't exist at other schools like Kentucky. I mean, wouldn't that be a big part of the appeal to Brew beyond, you know, the increased cash flow is just basically saying, um, hello, I'm Bruiser Flint. I represent uh, Kentucky. And your job's kind of done at that point. You're going to, you know, hook them up with Cal at some point to do the used car salesman schmooze. And uh, then you kind of sit back and watch the five stars roll in. I I think I could do that job. No disrespect to Bruiser, but come on. I do think for Bruiser, a lot of it is, he said to us, he, didn't he say this to us? He, Bruiser would love to have a head coaching job. True. You know, I mean, and, he did say that. And, and he would love that. I'm sure, you know, Bruiser's not 35. So I'm sure he looks at like the next chance of being a head coach is hopefully the last. And I'm sure he looks at what's happening in Indiana and going, all right, well, what head coaching jobs are available to me when, when we've had the level of success or lack thereof that we've had, there are difficulties in getting these top-end, five-star, out-of-state talent to come to Indiana. And those are the kind of guys that impress the presidents and specifically athletic directors at these other schools that would hire a head coach like Bruiser and give him another shot. And I'm sure he looks at a job like Kentucky and says, I go there for a few years. I'm credited with landing a few of those guys. I get some attention. And that helps me get to where I ultimately want to go, which is another head coaching job. I can't fault the guy for it. I can hate him. I can hate him for it. Sure, sure. can't fault him. Yeah, and it's like, yes, if you help Archie build us into a top 15 program that's getting top 10 recruiting classes, I think there's a little extra shine on that, that you're like, look what I helped build back up into the thing it should have always been. At Kentucky, you're going in and maybe they see you as more of a a cog in the calamari machine. But at the end of the day, what's on the resume? How deep you get in the tournament? How many five stars? That stuff's pretty much locked and loaded when he shows up. Well, look at the assistant coach now. That I mean, he's getting a job as possibly as an assistant coach with the Knicks. So it's like it's a nice stepping stone. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't, although I don't know if going to the Knicks as an assistant coach is a <laughs> yeah, it might be a stepping stone way down. Well, and also we do know that anybody who becomes a part of the Kentucky basketball program 
burns in hell for all eternity. That's so what's, what's Brew looking at? This life or yeah. forever? That's just something to put out there. That is a good point and one that we should text him to see if he's considering. Um, let's get to today's guest because this is one that you know I have been personally excited for because he is my personal favorite player that I've ever per watched, you know, uh, since I've been alive at Indiana. I loved his game so much. And I still believe he does not get his just due for how good he was. Scotty Pippen. Yeah, you said that in the, in the interview coming up, and it's such a good analogy. He truly was the Scotty Pippen to Calvert Cheney's Michael Jordan. Because they talk about Pippen being one of the all-time 50 great NBA players. Greg Graham is really high up the list of all-time great IU players. And, you know, you even look at maybe some of the 75, 76 guys, but it always went to Scott May. Some of the amazing 81 guys like, you know, Woodson and Whitman, but it all goes to Isaiah. And it's just the natural thing, I think, for fans and media to gravitate towards the, the very best. And even if one of the all-time very bests are playing alongside them, there's still a shadow there. Just like, you know, Tom Crean's first few teams, it all goes to uh, Nick Williams. Oh, oh, oatmeal as Annie. Yes, Annie. Annie, Annie. <laughs> um, so, look, I, um, we get into his stats quite a bit in the intro, and we talk about them throughout. But when you talk about an overall well-rounded basketball player, it is extremely hard to find one better in all the facets than this guy. Yeah. And, and I, I mean – elite in, in scoring the basketball and shooting the basketball. Three-point percentages off the charts. And defending the basketball. And then you add that in, a lockdown defender on the wing who won the conference player, a defensive player of the year. It is remarkable. And then post-career goes to the NBA, spends several seasons in the NBA, comes back to Indiana where he becomes the head coach of Warren Central, his alma mater, and was, it felt like everything was right in the world. Great, you know, oop, can't say his name. Oh. Our guest back in Indiana, <laughs> coaching his alma mater. And then for whatever reason, that doesn't work out and he goes away to Rhode Island and it feels like he's gone and people have like forgotten about him, but not us. When you bring his name up with any serious IU basketball fan, they all remember that and and you just kind of because you'll be skipping around talking about different great players from different eras but when you bring that name up there's nobody who actually watched those teams play who didn't know what he brought You're especially right. later in his career as just an incredible incredible asset to what was we all know the absolute best team in the country at least their senior year and obviously should have been at least in the national title game, his junior year too. But we'll get into all of that. We will. And you, by the way, I will say you bring up a good point because when I sent out the tweet about who the guest is, so many Indiana fans, I mean like high, high level of traction with that tweet of people. It's even our friends at Assembly Call are like, we, this is our guy. I mean, he is well, a legend. They call him a legend. Well, Jared over there, he, he, 
he's of our era. Those were his teams like they are ours. And I know he's a Calvert man like myself, but, but it's, it's really incredible talking with our guests today about everybody on that roster and how not only were they able to do so many great things as a team, but all really thrive individually within that. So it's really fun to get into how that works when your, your, your pledge class is the magnificent seven and you've already got great people there and great people coming in behind you. It was, it was a time that I missed. <laughs> I wanted to come back. I missed them so much. Uh, no. And, and I will say this. I think that, I think that when you listen to this, there's some eye-opening stuff too, just about what he went through and what, you know, what the individual psyche is during, during the run that he had there. And it wasn't all roses. Nope. And, and he's very open and honest about that. And man, did I love watching him play. And going back and watching YouTube clips, a couple of people on Twitter have said that that's what they've been doing too. Mm-hmm. It, they are just so much fun. This guy could fly around. One of the best athletes we've ever had. Committed on defense. A lot of dunking. A lot, lot of dunking on those YouTube highlights. And a lot of that comes from the great defense they were playing too, leading to some easy dunks. But that helps with those field goal shooting percentages, I tell you. It, it does. But when you shoot over 50% from the three-point line your senior year, that helps with the shooting percentage too. Agreed. Um, by the way, the other thing, and we've never really gotten into this, but you know how when we were kids – the assembly hall, the way they shot assembly hall, you had that low angle mm-hmm. that you could see like the art, the arch going up and the backdrop. Yeah. The dunks look so much better then. Mm, that's you interesting. Know, they do. They look like these guys are really flying. I mean, they, I wish they could go back to that. I think they put in extra seats or change the media thing. And so that shot went away and now everything's really high. But that low angle shot was such a good shot watching the NBA games in the bubble. Yes. I want them to be with the court cam a little more often because I understand it. Sometimes a couple of players get lost in the shuffle, but I love being down there in the action. And after a lifetime of watching basketball from basically the same one angle, just to get down on the floor with them and really see them mix it up. It helps appreciate uh, the speed a little bit more. Uh, the size I, a little bit more. Yeah, I'm hoping, you know, one of hopefully many good things to come out of this terrible year we're having is more good basketball angles that that they're a little more liberal to cut to. Though once people are paying thousands of dollars to sit in those seats again, yeah, those angles will probably in front of them. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Jack right. Nicholson will want a camera right in front of him while he's trying to watch the game. Um, well, let's let's let these people actually hear the interview we're telling him so much about because it's great he's super charismatic he's funny he's a good storyteller a lot of these similar traits we keep finding with these guys you know their skills on the basketball court translate to skills in front of a microphone too yes they do and uh enjoy hopefully as much as we did ladies and gentlemen boys and girls of hoosier nation it's time. It's time to talk to a guest. This guest is beyond extraordinary. You're about to hear everything he accomplished in his historic, illustrious Hoosier career. But I will start it off by saying maybe his greatest accomplishment is that he's Eric Pinkowski's all-time number one 
favorite Indiana Hoosiers. So, Eric, I will give you the great honor of listing this man's incredible accomplishments. Oh, I, I look, I'm a 42 year old grown ass man, and I think I'm about to like start trembling with excitement. I mean, this is ridiculous. We are talking to a gentleman today who comes to us from Warren Central High School in Indianapolis, Indiana, where he all he did was become an Indiana All-Star, a McDonald's High School All-American, third team parade All-American 1989. He was a Big Ten All-Star in 1990, first team All-Big Ten 1992 to 93, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, 92-93, NCAA Tournament All-Region, 1993, two-time Big Ten made the Final Four, 14th all-time at Indiana in scoring with 1,590 points, a career 51.4% field goal percentage. He's a guard. He shot over 50% for his career. He has the 24th best all-time scoring season. He is the 10th highest scorer in Big Ten games. He is fourth best all-time in steals, third best all-time in Big Ten game steals. Ninth, listen to this, the ninth best field goal percentage season ever for any player at 58.7%. Only two guards, by the way, are on that list of top 10. Our gentleman guest today and Steve Alford. Pretty good company to keep. Fifth best three-point shooter season ever at 51.4% his senior year. Third best in Big Ten games at 53.5%. Fifth best career three-point shooter of all time at Indiana at 43.9%. Most free throws ever made in a game at 26 against Purdue. Oh, yeah. Fourth <laughs> all time in free throws made. Led the team in free throw percentage twice, including 82.5% his senior year. Tied for fourth all-time in games played. And 58.6% NCAA tournament field goal percentage drafted in the first round by the Charlotte Hornets. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe the best all-around player that Indiana University has ever seen. Please welcome my favorite, Greg Graham. Thank you for that intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, did you know all of those things? Yeah. Do you, do you have that printed out above your bed every night? You know what? He read. He read off some. Uh, Eric, you read off some things that I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> when when you hear that long list, is there one or two that that just sticks to you and go like, yeah, that I'm extra proud of? Um, I would say the 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 Big Ten championships. And um, maybe the free throws against Purdue. Those are those are <laughs> those are those are my two top ones. Well, Greg, uh, you know we've been doing this podcast for about eighteen months. We've had several of your teammates, uh, Calvert, Matt Nover. We just this morning talked to Jamal Meeks. We've talked to Pat Graham. Uh, we talked to Todd Leary, Brian Evans. We Pat have been Knight. Pat Knight. We've been waiting to talk to you, and we're so excited. Give everybody, if you can, in Hoosier Nation an update on, on what you're doing right now and how you're doing amidst this pandemic that we're all dealing with. Well, outside, you know, trying to stay safe, um, I'm, you know, living in New England. Uh, been out here now, going on my sixth year. I'll be starting my fifth year as a high school basketball coach out here in Barrington. 
So, uh, I mean, that's pretty much what's all I've been doing is just still coaching. I mean, even though I left Indiana and left Warren, I still came out to New England and, and found a, a school that was, you know, excited to have me, which I didn't even think they knew me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what's, what's the basketball culture out there like? Obviously, no place is like Indiana at any level. But it, have you found a passionate uh, fan base there that you can connect with? Well, the Barrington community has, you know, welcomed me with open arms. And like I said, my first year record-wise wasn't a pretty one because I inherited uh, a program that was, you know, pretty much down. Um, and in five years, I built it up. Uh, we ended up 21-4 and four last year. We had a chance to win a state championship in uh, our first playoff game. The coronavirus canceled oh, our season. Uh, oh, man. How heartbreaking is that for you and the kids? Yeah, the day of the game. Oh. And how did you – how were you – did the kids take it really hard? They did because I had eight seniors. These guys came in with me. Oh, oh. man. How do you keep so, their parents up in something like that, Greg? How would you deal with that? You, you know what? Considering where we started and where we ended with these guys – Obviously, we would like to, 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 to see how far we could have gotten and, and see if we could have actually brought a championship back to Barrington. But the success we had in that year, this, this final year with these guys, uh, it's, it's definitely the most memorable I, I will ever have. It's probably the best team I've, I've ever coached, um, the best student-athletes that a coach could ever ask for, um, no problems whatsoever. Now, they're not Indiana basketball players out here in Rhode Island, but <laughs> – they do pay attention to detail. They do execute. And, they, you know, they're pretty, pretty, pretty good student-athletes. When something like that happens, do you, do you feel compelled you've got to make it a life lesson for them and help them take the best out of a bad situation? Absolutely. You know, and that's what really basketball is all about. I mean, it's, it's not just the, the particular sport or your skill set. It's, it's those life lessons that you learn. There's so many lessons to be learned throughout the course of a – a career, a season, a game, a practice. And you try to instill that in your guys every single day. And you want to make sure that when those mistakes or, or, or mishaps happen, you, you want to make sure you correct them right then and there on the spot and not try to wait a little bit to see them try to work their way through it. You, you always, you're always a teacher. You're always a coach. You're always a mentor. You're always a role model. And that's what I prided myself on the last few years uh, since I've stopped playing. And, and entering the coaching world, um, you know, Coach Knight even asked me, why, why did I decide to do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to be different. I mean, with, I mean, we've talked to some uh, assistants at Indiana. We even got a chance to talk to Archie Miller. And we've talked to various people about how, just how different dealing with kids is today, namely because of the Internet and social media, just how much that has changed everything. Are you dealing with that kind of stuff with your kids in high school, too? Well, it, different ends of the spectrum here. Now, at Warren Central, that's something I definitely had to monitor. Because um, as you know, like I said, it, it's just totally different of uh, the east side of Indianapolis compared to, you know, the far east, east side of the country in New England. I mean, it's totally different. I don't worry about the social media here because the exposure and the talent level is not nowhere near as it is in Indiana. 
Mm-hmm. Got it. But 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 that being said, there's also things that go on in social media that you you kind of want to make sure you keep your your hand on the pulse and make sure that you're in the circle and in the know and make sure everything is okay. But like I said, I got great student athletes. I mean, every kid on my every kid on my my basketball team could have been an academic all American. Wow. So that's that's what I mean by different ends of the spectrum, and it's a uh, it gave me new life coming out here because some of the things I had to worry about at Warren Central. I don't have to worry about that here. Right. Um, and I, in case, case in point, you know, <laughs> great. You know, not, <laughs> not, we, had, we, we, we had good students at Warren Central, but, man, I didn't have students like this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I am curious, are you uh, – have you totally bought into New England culture? Are you sucking down clam chowder and eating lobster and crab all the time? Absolutely. I was doing that before I came out here. <laughs> this, this, this was just the icing on the cake. Yeah. I, I did hear um, an interview with you. I remember hearing it. It's probably about a year and a half ago now that you did with our friends over at Assembly Call, where you talked about that you were still homesick for Indiana. Uh, yes. Is that still the case, or are you growing out of that? I'm a, I will always be homesick. Yeah. Um, I love Indiana so much. Those are my roots. I have friends and family and siblings and my dad is still there. All my family's there. So it doesn't, doesn't matter that I'm over, you know, 900 miles away. It's still home. And I, I think about it constantly every single day. And sometimes I'm, I'm in my moments. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm all up in my feelings and everything. And yeah. I, you know, I, I'll throw something out on Facebook. Like I miss Indiana, you know? Well, yeah. we miss you. I will tell you that. I mean, we're in California and we miss Indiana. But I, I have to say, like, I loved knowing that you were the coach of Warren Central and coaching in Indiana. It just made me feel like the world was right. And when you moved out, I was like, this is not good. The world needs to be fixed. This is not the, the stars are not aligned anymore. So well, let's, your, let's your go. This is shit both ways. Let's go. Let's go back to your upbringing. There, you're you're growing up on the east side. Warren Central's known for a lot of prestigious alum in different fields. You got Jane Pauley coming out of there. Jeff George obviously was was a great high school player. His Colts time, you know, he went to Purdue. It all went downhill after Warren Central. But <laughs> <laughs> you remember when uh, basketball became the focus of your life? Yes, I absolutely do. Uh, it, it just so happened to be my freshman year of high school. And I was on an undefeated team. Now, when I was, in, uh, when I was a freshman, there weren't freshmen at Warren Central. The freshmen were still considered junior high. Okay. Um, so we had a great team. Uh, we were undefeated. We ended up being 19-0. But before the season was was ready to end, Coach Jacob at Warren Central wanted to bring me over to the high school to play on the varsity. Wow. And I, 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 I had to refuse because I did not want to leave my team. I didn't awesome. want to do that. It, that to me would have been selfish. Um, I knew I had, I would have, I, you know, I had three years at the high school, but you know, I, I, there were certain players that were going to come to the high school and play with me and others that weren't. So I wanted to enjoy my time with them and, and, and share that moment with them. But it made you realize, oh, I'm, I'm exceptional and there will be other <laughs> opportunities. Absolutely. <laughs> when, you get the, when you get the high school coach wanting you to play varsity basketball as a freshman and then you have Coach Knight coming in your gym as, 
you know, seeing you play. I mean, obviously, there's something to it. <laughs> you know, I could have, I could have, I could have ran track. I could have, I could have been a skinny wide receiver like Randy Moss and go up the sidelines. But I chose to play basketball. I knew that that was something I loved. It was a passion, and I always thought about it. Now you grew up. You know, we're not that far apart in age here. You grew up in a time where Indiana college basketball was the brand in college basketball. Absolutely. You, you're old enough to at least remember the 81 championship team and Isaiah Thomas, and you're clearly old enough to remember 87. Uh, and, and that team figured, I would imagine, pretty largely into your knowledge of college basketball. What did Indiana college basketball mean to you when you were a kid growing up? It was everything. There was not one IU game on TV that I did not see. Um, mm. I still remember the whole, uh, the, uh, what was the little, the, the, the little cleaning lady that was Martha, the Martha the, the mop lady. Yes, yes. That, <laughs> hey, when that came on, I knew yes. something special was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember, I mean, look, I grew up in St. Louis, Ward grew up in Peru, Indiana but we both grew up idolizing Coach Knight. Now, we clearly never had any chance of playing Division I college basketball or Division XII college basketball, for, for that matter. But we idolized this guy, Coach Knight. What, what was he to you growing up? Uh, well, Coach, you know, I appreciate him and respect him more so now mm -hmm. than I did as a player and as someone he was recruiting. And I say that because I know so much more about him personally. And I know what he was trying to accomplish with each and every player he has ever coached. So there's a deep appreciation now for what he does and, and how he went about business. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, after my, my playing days that I, I, I got that, got to know him personally and and the frequent phone calls and 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 communication and then pat calling me saying yeah your dad me and my dad's asking about you those kind of things so that's what he meant to me and i was like i will i will i will always respect and 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 give coach the the, the utmost praise because he he took a skinny kid from the east side of indianapolis literally broke him down to the point where he wanted to transfer <laughs> yeah, you know, and then and then all of a sudden you're 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 seeing the end result. You know, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, you know, leading the Big Ten in field goal and three point percentages. Have you know? I, it, it's just it's just it's just a, a a great story for me personally when I think back on it and reflect. Um, but he 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 touched me. I mean, he my mom cherishes the ground that he walked on. God rest mm -hmm. her soul. I mean, she he flew her and and her friend to Texas Tech for a game that's how close they were wow well let's let's talk about the first time you met him do you remember your first encounter with him yes i was at an au tournament in bloomington um and i was walking i was in assembly hall walking up the ramp i was a i want to say a seventh or eighth grader wow and he basically asked me on the right he was coming out the office and coming you know, he couldn't really, Graham, are you coming? That's all he had to say. Wow. When he said that, that's when I knew where I was going. 
in, you were working in eighth grade? Me. In eighth grade? In eighth grade. He, he did not recruit me. All he asked me, are you coming? <laughs> and and, and, and did, were, was that like a shock to you? Was that something at that point you were, you were expecting to play at IU or did it come out of left field? No, I, I, you know, that particular moment came out of left field, but it was that moment on that IU was all I knew. I got the recruiting letters and, and everybody wanted me to take these visits and, and all that kind of stuff, but <laughs> it wasn't for me. Wow. It wasn't for me. I knew exactly where I wanted to go. So can you talk a little bit about, obviously, you are part of, in Indiana history, the most storied recruiting class that has ever been. As you know throughout your high school career that you're going to go to Indiana, and then you start to see the other players that are in your class start to, you know, break out from the pack, the Pat Grahams, the Calberts, you know, Leary, the whole group, and then even from Ohio, Thunderbird and that stuff. Did you start to form a relationship with those guys just being on the, the summer ball circuit? Well, yeah, I mean, we knew we knew of each other. Like me and Leary, we played against each other in high school. Our whole high school careers we played. We were rivals. Right. Um, so, and then uh, Chris Lawson, and they were on our schedule too. We played them every year. Calvert, I didn't get a chance to play against a high school because, you know, he was always obviously way down south. He might as well have been going to Kentucky or something. <laughs> and Reynolds in Peoria. But right. we knew of each other. We, we, we really did. And then once – one guy signed, the other guy. I mean, we were like, whoa, this is getting serious. And now, then, you know, then that, that whole thing came, like the Magnificent Seven and all that. Yeah. I'm like, and Coach was like, hey, y'all ain't won a damn game here. So, you know, like I said, we we knew or we, we well, let's just say we assumed that we were going to have nice careers there and, you know, win all these championships and all that. I mean, like any little big-headed ego maniac kid that comes through there thinking they're going to do this and do that. <laughs> that that's the thing that people don't understand you have to do it his way well we we had a conversation with jamal meeks earlier where you know he's a year ahead of you and he said like yeah they they had heard all this stuff about the recruiting class and so when you guys came to, to town that year he said he was waiting to like show you all oh, you guys have not won anything yet did you feel that from some of the people that were already there <sighs> No, because I'm going to be honest with you, and I'll I'll be told you, I love Meeksy. I love Mark Robinson. I love Jeff Oliphant. Lyndon Lyndon Jones is my boy. Yeah. But let's, 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 let's just keep it all the way 100 right here. (laughs) We were the future. Yeah. Uh I mean, however you want to look at it, you know, whatever, buy your time, do that. Okay, we did, but, but we knew we were the future. So whatever was dished at us, it was, it was, it was deserved. I mean, like anything else, you have to crawl before you walk. Right. So I'm sure those guys that were already there with these little seven freshmen coming through, Hey, we had to learn the ropes because we didn't know anything. Right. They, we had to, we had to depend on Jeff Oliphant and Lyndon Jones and Mark Robinson. Those were our leaders. You know, they may not have played a, a bunch, yeah, but they but knew, those were our leaders, and they knew what they knew the system. That's they absolutely, they, absolutely. I mean, Jeff Oliphant is a, a a connection to the last national championship team. I mean, he yes. he's got himself a ring, you know. So that 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 means something. 
wise beyond his years. Mm. There we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about the dynamic within the Magnificent Seven. You know, like Pat Graham, there's some of the Southern Indiana guys will talk about all the media bias towards the Indianapolis kids and stuff like that in the high school ranks. But of course, Pat is the one who ends up edging you out for Mr. Basketball. Is there inter-freshman rivalry or do you kind of bond together like a pledge class because you have to survive this new environment with the upperclassmen and coach Knight? There's no rivalry with us. Um, you know, everybody had their, you know, own personal individual accolades coming in. Everybody was a all American and all this kind of stuff in high school. That crap didn't mean anything once you got to Indiana. Yeah. I mean, it's about what you do from that point on. I mean, what you did previously does, does not matter. What you did previously was good enough to get you a scholarship. <laughs> That's basically it. And tell us what it was like the first time you stepped on a court where Coach Knight is running a practice. You played basketball for a long time at this point in your life. You were at the top, top notch. You're McDonald's High School American. But had you ever gone through a practice the way that Coach Knight runs a practice? Absolutely not. You know, <laughs> he, su he surprised me when he told – look, we were <laughs> – it's all about conditioning, right? Yeah. And so I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be running a bunch of sprints and doing all this. Doing. He practices less than two hours. And he gets more out of us in those two hours than any amount of sprints for, you know, preseason. I mean, it's just absolutely – we are in the locker room after practice drenched. And we have to sit there for a while because not only we're just hot and sweaty, we're trying to cool our bodies off, but man, some of us got to put feet and knees and ice on and everything. So it was really, really competitive every single day, but it was fun. Mm. It was fun. Well, that first year is a really interesting year because, you know, there was a big turnover, obviously, with seven new players coming. Jay Edwards had left to go to the NBA which allowed for Todd Leary to fill that last slot of, of the seven. Um, you still have Jeff Oliphant, but guys like Joe Hillman and Brian Sloan and guys like that who were on the 87 team are gone. So this is a real year of transition. Um, like you said, you are the future. And the year, uh, what do you remember just from starting to play games that year? How intense how the speed of it, the, the, the physicality, uh, it was just different from high school. Now, that didn't, my, my confidence didn't waver. <laughs> only, only thing that wavered was, you know, the thought of whether or not I was going to stay at Indiana my freshman year or leave because I knew what I can do. Coach knew what I can do, but we butted heads the first two, my first two years. We just butted heads. and. You know, I have never been one to be out front pounding my chest saying, oh, look what I have done. Me internally knew what I could do. But being a teammate, you allow other people to do their thing. I mean, I, I who would have knew Calvin would have went on to be the all-time lead scorer in Big Ten history? Right. Who would have knew? <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do as a, as a teammate? Hey. You jump on his back and ride him. <laughs> well, you ride him. Yeah, but, but Greg, you know, look, right before you got on the phone, I said to Ward, I, I said, Ward, you know I love Greg Graham. He's my favorite player. But going through the research and just kind of looking at what he accomplished, 
I think he's the most underrated player that ever played at Indiana. And Ward said, he's Scotty Pippen. He's Scotty Pippen. <laughs> did, did you watch the last dance and like, you're like, you could feel Scotty like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And hey, Scotty's like, hey, hey, I was on the, uh, hey, I was on that dream team. Yeah. <laughs> and I got six rings. But I, yeah, I, you know, I, I know I played with Michael Jordan, but look, he wouldn't have got all that without me. No, he wouldn't have. Exactly. And, and, and Greg, you know, we hear so much from guys. We've talked to a lot of guys who talk about the role that they had to play, that they had to focus on to, to get playing time. You know, I mean, for example, Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis scored 30 points a game in high school. He was a scorer. But he knew yep. that when he got to Indiana, the only way he would play is if he became an assist guy. That was it. Yeah. And so yep. he did that. You do everything well on the basketball court. Literally. You're the best defensive player in the conference. You're the best three-point shooter in the conference. You're probably the best athlete or one of the best athletes in the conference. You can drive by anybody. You can rebound the ball. Good assist numbers. So – I'm just curious from your perspective, was there any one area when you got to Indiana or started playing for Coach Knight that you realized you had to up? Or were you always this jack of all trades and master of all of them? Oh, absolutely not. I was a terrible shooter coming out of high school. Wow. I couldn't shoot. I couldn't shoot the brass out of a barn. <laughs> I, was a, I was more of a slasher, get to the bucket kind of guy. I don't even, I, I'm going to be honest with you, in high school, I don't think I even remember shooting jump shots. Hmm. Wow. But it was so bad. My form was so bad when I got to Indiana. The shot was flat. I had no lift, you know. But I, I found ways to score. I, you know, yeah. there's other things that I can do well besides shoot. Shooting is something I had to work on. And if you, if you look at the stats from my freshman year to my senior year, you know, oh, it's I mean, crazy. It, it's crazy yeah. improvement. I mean, you went from a 38.7% three-point shooter, which, by the way, if you shot 38.7% today for Indiana University, you'd lead the team in three-point percentage. But anyway, <laughs> so, that's, you, that's true. That's just facts. You shot 38.7% your freshman year. You shot 51.4% your senior year, and you took three times as many shots. Hard work, repetition, uh, Ron Felling and Dan Dockage constantly on my back, you know, trying to trying to get the shot right. But 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 it wasn't anything about what I was doing shooting the ball. What I, it was more or less confidence. That's mm. all it was. Mm. That's all it was. It was nothing. I mean, yeah, I put in the work and all that kind of stuff. I really worked at it. But man, the confidence was there. And I'm gonna tell you when it started. Right after my uh, right after my was it my sophomore junior year. Coach sent me to the uh, the Big Ten All Stars, um, and mm -hmm. I had a, a fabulous camp, a great tournament. And after I came back from that, we talked about it. And he said, "You know, you could be a first round draft pick." Mm. That's when I first knew, and I just started taking it really, really serious at that point because I was like, "He just shocked me with that one." I never thought in a million years I have Coach Knight in, and you know, call me in his office. We're talking basketball, and he says, "You know, you got an opportunity to be a first-round draft pick." That, that, I did not know that. That'll get. Your I wasn't attention. even think. I was. I mean, when I was playing college basketball, I wasn't thinking about going pro. Wow. I really didn't. 
It wasn't something that was on my radar. Because well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Incredible. when you were like, where I really got my confidence going, and the game I wanted to bring up, which was like, it's your freshman year, it's Indiana versus Kentucky, Knight versus Patino, and you go back to your hometown to play in the Hoosier Dome on this nationally televised game. And you, and you, 28 minutes, 15 points. Like you said, you were thinking about transferring that year, but when you have that kind of performance on that kind of stage, I would just feel like it gives you a bedrock of confidence that, that you can build off of to end up becoming the player you were. Yeah. I, I, I never doubted that I, that, that, that I could play. I never doubted that, you know, and you're talking about the 15 points. I didn't even know I scored 15 points. I don't know how many, I, I don't, recall that I remember the game because my good friend Sean Woods was on the other team <laughs> so yeah. that's the only thing I remember really about it I, I I I don't know how many points I scored I don't I but there has been some Kentucky games where I played terrible me and Damon mm-hmm. and we got benched mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that that season is a weird season you guys start off 10 and up Right, like the, you come out of the gates Absolutely. your freshman year, and you're yes. looking really good. And it's you must be thinking. I would just think. I mean, you're a kid at this point, right? You're an 18 year old kid. You got to be thinking. Well, this college <laughs> thing is easy. We're just going to every game. Hey, right? t- that's exactly what the thought was until yeah we started Big Ten play. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Boy, you talking about getting beat up and 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 oh this that that told us right then and there that we weren't ready. We were not ready. The record, the record wow. said that. We thought it, we, at the end of the season, when it was all said and done, we thought we had a good record. 18 to 10, you know, we thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Coach act like we yeah. lost every game that season. <laughs> every game. Greg, you also had to deal with some internal turmoil that year when Lawrence Funderburk left the Magnificent yes. Seven. What do you remember from that time, uh, and how did it affect you and the team? We were just shocked that he would do, I mean, you know, do that. Because Lawrence was very talented. I mean, probably the most talented. But see, when I think about if he would have stayed, I don't necessarily know if Calvert Chaney becomes the player that he becomes. Mm -hmm. Right or or who exactly knows yes like it, it's a ripple yes, it it's is. a ripple effect yes it's uh, you know we 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 everybody loved Lawrence we knew he was a little strange but um, we respected what 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 he decided to do because you know at that moment you know it's like either you're all in or you're not and he, now we were told that there was a team vote do you remember anything about that yes. So we were told that Coach Knight basically left it to the team to decide because once he got kicked out of practice and then he left and then it was like, all right, so now the team's got to decide and unanimously they have to approve him coming back. And obviously they, the team did not. Well, um, to throw a little... Uh, is that accurate? To, to put, a little, put a little bit more to that, it wasn't like we yeah, went please. to vote and said, okay, we don't want him back at all. There were some things that happened after he left the building. There were some things that happened between him and Joby. Mm. So okay. there's a lot more to the story than what 
really everybody really either knows or hasn't confirmed. Got it. Well, you mentioned something about maybe Calbert doesn't become the player that he does with a talent like Lawrence there. Is it just lucky that all these talents fit together perfectly like a puzzle so you could all elevate your games together rather than some people being left behind? Because looking back at it, to me, I don't see any players in that run that were like, gosh, if they just had a little more time on the court, they could have done X, Y, or Z. It just seemed like it was all like almost 10 deep of perfect complimentary basketball. How, how did you see that? Especially as one who you have this incredible career, but yet there's still Calbert who is the guy, if not just from the era of all time. It's twofold. One coach did a, just a spectacular recruiting trail. I mean, he, he, he burnt the trails on that recruiting class. I tell you, he got his money's worth on that one. <laughs> but in saying that, mm -hmm. Coach knew what kind of players he wanted in his program. Some work, some don't. But for the most part, as people, as basketball, I mean, you know, they're, they're good individuals. So the, chem the chemistry and all that will eventually come around. It's just a matter of you adjusting to his style of coaching, what exactly he wants done um, because most of us play differently in high school than what we did in, in college at Indiana. So, you know, right. it, you have to adjust your game. You have to change and adapt. If not constantly every day, at least by the year, I mean, because you, you, you just have to, or you're going to get left behind. Like you said. Now to take a pause from basketball for just a second, I know Warren Central isn't too far from Bloomington and you still got family real close, but you're living on your own now in Bloomington. For the first time in your life, you're on your own. Nobody's telling you what to do except for Coach Knight. How did you do adjusting to just the amazing, fun college life of the Leary a home every weekend. I mean, let's just keep it real. Really? really? Ty Leary had a car and we literally went home every weekend if it wasn't basketball season. <laughs> Wow. That's, and, and this had to do with you your maybe struggles adjusting under Coach Knight where you were homesick and you weren't sure you even wanted to be there? No, it had nothing to do with us not wanting to be there. We just wanted to go home. <laughs> it, 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 it's close. I mean, you know, Todd, Todd being a little spoiled little kid, he is, you know, <laughs> he, get, he, 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 he goes home on the weekends, you know, get these nice, lavish dinners and breakfasts and he comes back with all these groceries and everything <laughs> hey i was just coming home because he was coming <laughs> i was like well if you're there <laughs> i mean you know drop me off i live there too <laughs> i don't know man I, I mean i just like you... I, i'm from peru it's not you know three hours instead of an hour and a half or whatever it was for you to get home but i wanted nothing to do with going home especially bloomington on the weekends was was it just that maybe you couldn't let loose the same way a regular student could, or, or I, I don't get why you would not. Well, be well there. let me let me let me clarify this. That was only our freshman year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> once we got once we got off campus. Oh, then it was, hey, 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 yeah. <laughs> we got off campus there. We, we didn't even see any napples. I told my man, my mom was like, I don't, I don't see you no more. <laughs> uh, hey, I got an apartment. 
I got a bedroom. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> Let, let's talk for a second because you mentioned it, and I'm always curious about this because it's a recurring theme for Coach Knight, and clearly it was part of his success. He had such amazing relationships with so many players' mothers and, and grandmothers in some cases, and obviously yours was no exception. What was it about the players' moms and coach that they were able to connect so much? Well, for one, our parents, they, they, first of all, they respect him. Secondly, they trust him with their child. Right. So that's the connection right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they know he's, a, he's a, a, a disciplinary kind of coach. When you're a parent and you have your kid away at college, you want them to be under some kind of guidance and making sure somebody's looking after them. And they knew Coach Knight would have everybody towing the line. There wasn't going to be any wild mishaps and, and things going on, you know. And if they did, oh, boy, he dealt with it quickly and swift. <laughs> <laughs> any coach that can kick his son off the team, I, 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 you know, that to me right there, I was like, okay. Right. He's all about business. <laughs> he don't care who you are. <laughs> of course, if Pat scored 22 a game, maybe it would have been different. <laughs> you know, the thing about Pat Knight, he knew and dad knew exactly what kind of player he was. Yeah. He didn't try to do anything more or less. You knew exactly what you were going to get out of Patrick Knight. And, and dad and his dad knew that too. Uh, go that's why coach said that his favorite basketball player of all time is Patrick Knight. That's right. So going back to the end of your freshman year, what was it that kept you at Indiana? And by the way, even though the team didn't have great success, like you said, well over 500, you averaging right at 10 points a game, 9.7 points a game. I mean, for any freshman coming in, that's pretty good. What, and clearly you butted heads with coach, but what was it that kept you at IU? Okay, I told you guys I would always keep it with you 100, okay? Let's hear it. The thing that kept me at IU, and we just talked about it briefly, that relationship between parents and coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom threatened me. <laughs> <laughs> she threatened me. I mean, literally, you ain't going no. I mean, what are you? <laughs> that yeah. was probably the dumbest thing I ever even told her. I shouldn't even mention it to her because <laughs> it was so dumb. Oh, we're, <laughs> we're glad I knew, you did. Here, <laughs> well, here it is. I'm thinking I'm getting a sympathetic ear. You side with the coach. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Well, and and how mad were you then? You had to have been really pissed off at that moment. I was hot. I yeah. was hot. But cooler heads prevail. I took the approach. I had a, a, a coach I don't want to name. He came to me and talked to me. And because you got to understand, when I talked about transferring, this was the first time in my life of playing basketball that I've been kicked out of a practice. Mm. Wow. I didn't know how to take that. And literally, he's yelling at me, yelling at him so close. I mean, he is so close to my face. And I have a smirk on my face. And I remember him saying, if you don't get that fucking smirk off your face. <laughs> and he kicked me out. So when I went in the locker room, we, we had these little team books, these little books that everybody used to write in, these little, little red little binders. I mean, but boy, some of the funniest stuff be in these binders. 
I made a list of schools that I was transferring to. And I, 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 I remember it vividly. I'm sitting there at North Carolina, Duke, Syracuse. <laughs> I had it already made up in my mind. And the next thing, when I put that last school, the, the Dockets walked in. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and was like, what the fuck you doing? I said, what do you mean? He said, what are you doing here? I said, did you not see Coach kick me out? He said, dumbass, he cooks, he kicks everybody out. <laughs> you come in here, you get you some water, you know, whatever, get your thoughts together, and you get your ass back out there. Guess what happened? I said, okay, I'll go back out. Graham, if you don't get your ass out of this gym, <laughs> he kicked me out again. And I'm looking at Doc as Doc looks away, just looks up in the rafters. <laughs> okay. Now I, now I know what's going on. So that even fueled it even more. Wow. And, and this is the stuff now, you know exactly why he's doing it. But where you were at at that point in your life, it just seemed like you were being picked on and maybe this wasn't the place for you. Exactly. I had no clue. No clue whatsoever. What we just learned from Mr. Meeks was there was a famous recording that may or may not have been recorded by Lawrence Frank, (laughs) where, where, and when the whole team was getting completely reamed, one name was name checked, that being Greg Graham for not recovering. Is it true that you guys don't even remember that particular speech? I don't remember. I got yelled at so much. I don't recall that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first time I heard it was on the internet. <laughs> and then there's a clip. There's also a clip. ESPN got the clip where he's literally reaching across Ron Felling, yelling at me. And I had and I do him like this all the time. I just stare forward. I let it go in one ear and out the other. And that's exactly what it was on that clip. Wow. Well, that happens. It lights a fire. Something happens that summer. Obviously, everybody's a year older. And also now comes the super recruit, the phenom, Damon Bailey. I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going to tell you. Go ahead with your little intro. I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going to tell you what. (laughs) No, you go. I'm done with my little intro. Go. I remember after our, I think it was after my freshman year, we lost in the tournament. First round game was the California. Was it the California? Yes. Yes. First round of California. First round of California. I got yelled at so bad after that game. He told me, you know what, Graham? I got this kid coming in next year. He's going to take their play. You think you're going to fuck around, do all this? He's going to play. He's going to play ahead of you. He's going to be, you know what? Well, Damon ended up playing alongside me. Uh-huh. He replaced somebody else. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. So, you know, that fueled my fire right there. You're going to tell me yeah. some kids coming in better than me. I know I know the hype. I know. That's why we call Damon the golden child. I mean, we, yeah. everybody knows this. But I think he, Damon got a bad rap because so much was put on his plate before he even got there. You're talking about you're talking about us as recruits being. I mean, this kid coming in, he had all the pressure. He did, and I would imagine, like Meek said, does when yes. Damon came, he wanted to kill Damon. Like before knowing him, he wanted to. You kind of come in here and be better yes. than me. I'm going to take your lunch, and and I would imagine you felt some of that too. In fact, 
I know he ended up playing alongside you, but you're six four. What's he six three? You know, you're both playing on the perimeter. I would imagine in practice you're guarding him some at yes. the beginning. Was there some of that that you wanted to show him what this what big time college basketball was all about? I really didn't feel like I had to because I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Because I, I, yeah, I'm probably one of the realest IU guys that you're probably going to have on this show. I'm going to keep it real. <laughs> we love it. Damon wasn't better than me. I mean, let's just say, I mean, he, it, Damon was a great, great high school basketball player. I think he was a good college player. Damon was probably one of the smartest players that I've ever played with. But you got to understand, me personally, when, when somebody's spewing this to me about this kid coming and taking my, I didn't look at it and play it. I didn't, I didn't judge Damon none at all. I enjoyed my time playing with him. He was probably one of the better backcourt mates I've ever played with. But me personally, mm, he wasn't better than me. And, 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 and I hope that he would say, Graham wasn't better than me. I hope he would say that. You know, and that's just right. that's just that that, that <laughs> competitiveness that we had as a as, as teammates, uh, as a you know as a we we pushed each other every single day. Now we talk about how we wanted to give it to Damon and all that kind of stuff, but man, you won't find one player say that they didn't like playing with him. Well, no, that's absolutely true. Everybody has told us that he was a great teammate, laid back didn't have that ego that you thought would accompany a guy who had as much, you know, mm -hmm. the golden child well, stuff. And he didn't want that label. Everybody he didn't want it. Him as a team. He did not, right. and he didn't deserve right. it. But we gave it to him anyway. <laughs> but I, I have to believe that it was such a great situation for him to come into where there's this incredible ta talent pool ahead of him. Maybe gone to a smaller schooler with lesser talent, more pressure on him. He's more got to carry the load right away. But that when you have all those guys that you're competing with and playing with that are excellent, great in their own right, that actually allows him to ease into it a little bit more and become a part of a team rather than the focal point of an entire program. Exactly. I think Damon was a much better basketball player when he had better players around him. When you're the focus all the time, you have to do so much. And he was so smart. So if you put good players with him, he's going to look even better. Right. And Greg, that year is really interesting because you guys come out of the gates like, you know, like just shot out of hell, 16 and one, 22 and two, including beating Kentucky, beating Notre Dame, smoking Purdue at home. Um, but what's interesting is when you just look at your numbers on paper, your sophomore season, you could argue, was your statistically yes. your worst mm -hmm. of your four years. Was that because – were, were yes. you still resenting being yes. there by any – All oh, that. What was it? What All was that. it about that? I was still – Okay. And I, I was still a little upset and angry from my freshman year. Um – now I'm sure. I'm I'm competing for minutes, obviously with Damon, Chris, Jamal, you know Pat Graham. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of guards in this thing, so I had to find my niche. And my sophomore year statistically was my worst year, but 
it was my, I like to say, I like to look at it as my turning point. Because I went through so much, could nothing stop me from that point on. And when you said you wanted to, you had to find your niche, when, um, you know, I, I remember obviously you playing. I don't remember when you became this just beast on defense. I specifically remember it your senior year. And, and, and I also remember it some of your junior year. But w- did that start to happen where you realized you could do this on the defensive end and that started to change? Yes, uh, because actually defensively, I was, I was playing angry. That's what fueled everything. I mean, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to steal this ball every single time. I'm going to lock this guy down. I'm going to guard the best player. That, to me, I had a lot of pent-up anger, and and I took it out on the opponent. Right. I mean, all those guys, uh, Bashan Leonard, uh, Sean Resper, all those shooters in the Big Ten in our era back then, they got locked Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> by the way we are talking about a golden age of big 10 basketball oh, it was the best i mean these are some good you were playing good teams every night i know Illinois that Illinois like was make, amazing ohio state was amazing yes i mean purdue fielded great teams michigan obviously was coming now with the fab five in your final two years but you are talking about locking down nba players yeah. i mean that's who you're facing on a nightly basis and you're guarding them and it has to take, I mean, you have to just, it has to take so much out of you to do that on defense and yet still progress your game offensively. You know, I, 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 and I tell my players this now, let your defense fuel your offense. Um, I wasn't looking to go out and score a whole bunch of points, but I knew if I played defense and make an impact there, that's six to eight points right there. Just right. playing defense. So I took it personally and, and made it a mission, especially my senior year. I really, my senior year, I was really focused. I was tuned in. Yeah. But so I want to talk ahead, about the, the redemption that occurred in the sophomore year of you guys finally putting the beat down on Purdue the way you described Indiana basketball of your youth and how it was everything. I'm wondering how much did you hate Purdue before you got to Indiana? How much did you hate them after they beat you your freshman year? And how good did it feel to finally beat them in an Indiana uniform? Well, I never, ever really hated Purdue. And that's only because I I have friends there. Uh, oh, great. Listen, listen, we don't like listen. <laughs> Frank Kendrick is a family friend. And at that time, uh, he was in my living room. He went to high school with my mom and dad. Mm. So, you know, and then you got to throw in the fact that when he was trying to get me to come to Purdue, he, you know, he threw that look, Warren colors, Purdue colors, all that. I mean, you know, it, I never hated them, but I did enjoy blasting them. I did. I really did. <laughs> I did. That, right, wait a minute, Greg, because you keep it at 100. You played angry many times. You were an intense guy. There has to be a team that we did play that you hated. And we never beat them. 
Who? Kansas. Kansas. Yeah, those uh, never beat them. I couldn't stand yeah. them. Yeah. What was it? Why did they have the secret sauce? They played a brand of basketball that was exceptional to uh, to our style of play. Right. Roy, Roy, you know, he let those guys play. Yeah. And you know, coach let Calvert play. But shit, there's there's four or five <laughs> other guys out there that can play. Let, you know, let, let us go back at them. Well, was there any part of you, Greg, when that when you saw that like Calvert could, you know, who else did we have on board who made fun of Calvert for never playing defense? <laughs> I can't remember, but it was somebody who had fun with Calvert saying he never played any D. But was there any part of you that didn't resent Calvert but resented Coach for for that that perception that he was letting Calvert do what you wish you would let you? There's do? a couple things I resented. Uh, three couple. A, num a number of things, but I'm only going to tell you about two or three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One as a as a as a as a young recruit, I didn't like his coaching staff. I didn't. Okay. I did not like it. Uh, I was I was a firm believer. I didn't mind the yelling all. I just didn't like the the style is coaching and the play. You know, the four or five passes and and cutting and moving, you don't, you, you can't take anybody off the dribble, you know, you can't shoot a one pass. There's a lot of things that I didn't like in the beginning. Right. Again, I said I had to adapt and I did. The team does very well your sophomore year. You win the Big Ten Championship. You don't have a great year and you're fighting for minutes. Are you as happy as you can be at the end of that year? that the team won or is there part of you that's like the team won, but I didn't do what I can do. I was beyond, I mean, I was beyond more than happy that, that we won the big 10 because I knew what the first year was like. And I know what that summer was like. Right. And we didn't want to repeat of that summer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when we won finally, I mean, it was, that gave us the blueprint from that point on. And then for the next three years, I think we only lost like 12, 15 games, yeah, maybe. It's just insane. Yeah. Insane. So, you know, we, 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 we had the blueprint because, like I said, you have to be dragged through the mud and, and kicked and stomped on and all that to appreciate when you finally get there and win it. Because – Nobody wants to talk about them dark days. He's like, well, what did it take to why? Yeah, you know, why are y'all successful? You know why? Because we got trashed our freshman year. We got <laughs> beat down. We got we were up at five in the morning. I mean, we were all kind of stuff. <laughs> well, a really important piece of these great teams shows up now going into your junior year in, in Allen Henderson. And one night, it was very late. I believe we were at the upstairs pub with Brian Evans and he was trying to describe the way Allen, what he brought to the team. And, 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 and it was at a level where I think probably only somebody who's on the court with him and sees what he does can really appreciate it. But can you help us better understand what Allen brought to the court that had been missing those first two years? Consistent rebounding and scoring from the post position mm. talented enough to 
take you outside and shoot the jump shots. But man, he's a great double double guy. I mean, as 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 good as Easy was, he wasn't a double double guy for us. Right. Right. When Allen got there, he gave us that, and then and he complimented Nover so well. And, and, and Eric, for that matter, I mean, it, let, it allowed Eric to be Eric. I mean, later on, Eric wasn't the Eric that he was his freshman year, but it still allowed him to be Eric. You know, Eric was a jump shooter. Let's just mm -hmm. face it. Mm -hmm. He was not a post guy. And we were missing that. Nover is a strong physical guy, but lacked the, the tools to really be effective on a night-in, night-out basis. Yeah, Allen was getting rebounds above the rim. Yes. Like that's really the big difference here is the ball went up and Allen could go get it. Nover had to get good positioning and have the ball in some ways come to him and, and really fundamentally get it. But Allen mm -hmm. could go get the ball. Absolutely. I mean, his rebounds. The best, the, best, the, the best I've ever seen do it. Wow. Now, I, I wasn't around the old school days of Walt Bellamy and all that. I wasn't around then. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Allen Henderson was that guy. And right, I'm going to well, be honest with you. Had he not tore up his knee, we would, I would be sitting here with a ring. I'm yes, telling you. I, we, totally. Now, Greg, something clicks in you the summer after your sophomore year. Because the jump you make from your sophomore to junior year is incredible. I mean, statistically, you're up everywhere. But obviously, something must have clicked for you mentally where you got over the resentment towards coach a little bit and you started to mesh better into the system what was that well if you talk my junior year is that isn't that the year we almost went undefeated in the big 10 no the you, junior year is when you went to the final senior four years yeah we went to the final four our junior year okay, yeah but you know you jump up greg from you shot three point percentage 24.1 percent your sophomore year 42.7 percent your junior year you know, you were scoring 8.7 points a game sophomore year, 12.8 senior year or junior year. 1.6 assists to 2.6 assists. 2.6 rebounds to 4 rebounds. Across the board, you are killing it your junior year. What happened? Maturity. You grow. You develop. You, 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 you're around players that you've played with for two years now. When you, 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 you combine all that, into a nice collaborative effort, the success we had on the court. It's a, it's a, like I said, we knew the recipe from that, that point on. Junior year, I mean, we, we, we got it. Once we won the Big Ten, myself, we knew what we could do. We knew that we were a force for the next three plus years. So how do you maintain that? And I go back to me and then my personal, I say it's confidence. Coach even get, gained a little confidence in us, trusted us more. We were allowed to go and do things that we weren't able to do as freshmen and sophomores. So, like I said, with that age and maturity comes all these responsibilities, which he knew we could handle because we've been, we've been dragged through it, I'm telling you. And once you drag through it, you don't want to go back to that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, like, it's like, you know, you grow up your whole life, you've been eating bologna. Somebody finally gives you a, a filet mignon. <laughs> you want to go back to bologna? <laughs> I don't care if it has a first name. It, it's just it's bologna. <laughs> could could you could you feel that year? 
I mean, obviously you thought about transferring after your freshman year. You held some onto some of that resentment your sophomore year. Did you feel that resentment go away after your sophomore year? Did you just kind of settle into this is my career and I better make the best of it? Yeah, I think by, by the end of my sophomore year, I think I was over the – well, I knew that I was going to finish out at Indiana. I wasn't going anywhere. Okay. Um, what I had to do was, like I said, adapt and understand where coach was coming from. What did he want out of me? How could I utilize my talents to the best of my ability to help my team win? And like I said, I settled into a role. I mean, I was the defensive stopper. That's where it started. Right. But the time that I put in as far as the shots, the, you know, the, the confidence, the maturity, all that wrapped all up. I mean, it's, 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 it's the ingredients for a great season. Um, and I had that, and it, it only made me want it even more going into my senior year. Well, and then, and then this is the summer, if I recall what you said at the beginning of the pod, was where you went to the Big Ten All-Stars. Was that yes, it? yes. And so, so to go through that experience, I'm sure more than hold your own, and then just to have Coach, who you butted heads with, pull you into his office and say you could be a first-round NBA draft pick, Right there, I'd imagine the confidence that's just you're you're going to sleep with every night being like, yeah, maybe I didn't hit as many today in practice as, as I wanted to, but coach said that to me. Coach said that to me. That's got to just keep you from getting too low or losing too much confidence after a bad game. And and let's be clear about this. I'm, again, all the way 100. That's the first time he ever complimented me, I think. <laughs> so it meant so much, right? It meant a lot. And that just, yeah. I mean, I, I took off. I, you did. I mean, literally, literally took off. Um, And and then when you're we looking at- We have to ask so, about the Final Four. I mean, we got to ask oh, about yeah. the Final Four, right? Yeah, let's get to it. So before we get to your senior year, what was it like playing in the Final Four? I mean, just making the Final Four, going back to Bloomington- like, just walk us through. Also, feel free to walk us through the fact that you smacked UCLA, who started the season beating you. One of my favorite three games ever for Indiana. Please tell us what you remember about that. Man, <laughs> I remember that Hall of Fame game um, with UCLA. We had new uniforms. Mm. And it was the first time we ever had baggy shorts. Ooh. And the, the crotch cutters. Um and we stunk up the joint on ABC. I think it was. <laughs> we stunk up the joint. We never seen those uniforms again. <laughs> I mean, sir, I mean, they were silky, baggy. I mean, we never seen them again. We don't even know what happened to them. <laughs> we were so angry with UCLA by the time that when we came up to that that rematch, we wanted to give it to them. And I remember. I remember going up the ramp and us telling them, y'all next. <laughs> I remember, y'all next. <laughs> well, you did give it to them. When you start the season with UCLA beating you down and then you let another conference title slip through your fingers at the end, is that just laser focus you for when it's showtime to get to the big dance? Absolutely, because, I mean, I think what we fail to realize that not only did we – lose that UCLA game, I mean, playing terribly on national television, but not winning back-to-back -back Big Ten championships, 
not only hurt us personally, but it killed Coach. Yeah. I mean, absolutely killed him. Mm. I mean, I've never seen somebody. We had you no, know, no, no. Granted, we had a good season. Yeah, yeah. very good. But this guy's walking. I mean, this guy's walking around like he ain't never won a game in his life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't understand it. I mean, but that's how passionate and how much he wanted to win. And I think if you play with that same passion, you're going to have some pretty good results. Well, you did going into that tournament. You roll through a bunch of teams. You smoke. By the way, you beat a really good Florida State team, too. Let's not forget Rob that. Rob Sam Cassell. Yeah, huge. Charlie Ward. Ward, Charlie Ward, yeah. Yeah, by the way, do you remember, you remember what you did in that game? Uh, I think I had a pretty good game against them. Yeah, 19 points, seven rebounds, two assists, two steals. Pretty good. Pretty good <laughs> yeah. game, Greg. Uh, yeah. You play UCLA. And then, of course, we always like to ask, what's it like? Beating UCLA, coming back to Bloomington, knowing that you're a Final Four team, you're not going. You're not driving back to Indianapolis now. You're staying in Bloomington no. for this one. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> party all night long. <laughs> the reception that we got from the fans, the support—I mean, everybody was out there, and it was so amazing. The hotel at the Final Four was incredible i mean it was an experience that you you can't really talk about you have to experience it you only time we felt good like this is when we graduated and we were doing the barnstorming games and we were making a little money oh, oh yeah, yeah i went to that's those the, that's the only other time we felt good about what we were doing in the <laughs> we heard you made real good money real good money yeah <laughs> who, who told us they bought a uh was it nova said he bought a car with it i bought a car Oh, what kind of car you buy? I bought a Chevy Typhoon. Yes. <laughs> I don't think people even remember those. Those were with the Carvette engines. It was like a blazer with a Carvette engine. <laughs> so so the, the Final Four was just an incredible experience. I asked this of Jamal. I've asked it of Leary. I asked it of Calvert. When you were in the game, did it feel like to you the referees were just handing the game to do? Yes, and I only say that because of the foul discrepancy. It was, it was, a, it was ridiculous. It was insane, especially after you guys owned them for the first half. I, I, I coached a lot of games now, now being coaching and been, been, been hosed by some referees, but that was blatant. It really, that was. was just flat out wrong. I mean, you, you got your whole start lineup over on the bench because we all fouled out, probably. Yeah. yeah. And that's when Leary came in and did uh, Superman. You know, I thought we were going – I still thought we were going to win. Yeah, yeah, we all had hope. I thought we were going to win. By the way, finally, your first final your, – your only Final Four game, you go for 18 points, five of five free throws, seven rebounds. I mean, you turn – you do whatever you can. We come Don't up – Don't CBS player of the game. There you go. <laughs> I do I do remember that yeah. for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Wait, to, to, to just end the, the, that, that season back on a high note, let's, let's step back to flying back from Albuquerque to Bloomington to the Final Four. Meeksy told us there were two planes, one that the coaches were on and some players got stuck on, and then there was the other plane. Which plane were you on? I wasn't on there with Coach. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I, I know I wasn't on there with Coach. Yeah, so. all right. I, I figured the upperclassmen all had dibs on the non-coach. Oh plane. yeah, oh yeah. I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean, I, I, I remember a, a a game in Michigan 
it, we played so bad. I mean, we had to fly out. It was this storm. And we're taking off. This plane is like literally like. <laughs> Coach is sitting, you know, his seat is facing us. We're facing the cockpit. He's facing us. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's sitting there firing bananas, cookies, <laughs> all kinds of things. Now, granted now, this Pat Graham, he's a diabetic. He turned white. His knuckle, everything was white. Not, not because he went diabetic, because the plane was yeah, 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 yeah. It was doing some funky stuff, and Coach didn't care. He didn't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's ask you about Pat, because there he, you guys came in together in this heralded class. He was probably the most heralded. And you see him have to go through these injuries. And we know what Calbert did coming back at the beginning of next year after Pat got hurt in the NIT game and Calvert gave him the MVP trophy. But what if anything can you do for a teammate who's going through injuries like that and, and inevitably not feeling a part of what you guys are doing on the court? I'm not going to say I felt bad for him. I will say that I wish he wouldn't have had to go through that. Yeah. Um, Cause I want everybody to be at their best because I can't, I can't compete full heartedly against you knowing that you weren't at your best. And it's a little disappointing because I always thought that Pat Graham would have been a great additional weapon to what we already had. I mean, we were so deep. I mean, we were probably one of the deepest teams oh, ever, ever. Yeah. So for him not to be playing up to his capabilities, I mean, it, 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 you know, like I said, I ain't gonna say I felt bad for him. I'm, I, I, what I want to say is that I really wish he didn't have those injuries. Yeah, I really, I really wanted to see what he could do. And any other team not that deep, like any other team, loses a Pat Graham type talent, and and you're not an incredible juggernaut. But you guys, even even Brian, when he shows up and starts playing, he's immediately contributing. And of course, Allen too. And I guess it's crazy to me that you're a part of this unbelievable class that there were still minutes to be found for guys like Brian and Allen coming in. And so that's when you're going into your senior year. And now these guys have had some experience under your belt. You just had to feel like you could beat anybody. That was the confidence level that we had, especially the last two years. I mean, there's not one time we didn't feel like we could win it. Um, and I know Coach felt that way because when he starts talking like that, when he starts putting up, this is what your record was the last year, I knew he, he knew he had a good team. Yeah. Uh, a team that I, I won't say underperformed, but just were dealt some bad blows. Totally. Because we 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 were there. We had all the we had all the pieces. You were the best team in the country. I mean, you're the yeah, best well, team in the country. What you did in the Big Ten Conference is unheard of. I mean, in modern yeah. basketball, it is unheard of what you did in that conference, which was not a weak conference. No, and it's. I want to talk about. Let's talk the about Fab the five. Fab Five. Let's talk about the Fab Five. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, because that is a pleasant topic. <laughs> especially, let's talk about the Fab Five your senior year, which is their sophomore year, their best team. How good did it feel to play the Fab Five? You know, and, and Jalen, you know, Jalen's a, a good friend of mine. I actually, I bought his house 
when I got married in Indiana, I bought his house. Oh, nice. Um, so we, we, we talk about it all the time, but the, the, the hype that, that came with that team, <laughs> I, you know, I thought, I, you know, I knew it, we were good and, and, and all that, but they were just downright cocky. I mean, and, and it showed in their play. Um, and I guess, you know, I remember the first time we played them as freshmen. I think, boy, we put a smacking on them, I think. <laughs> in Assembly Hall, I think it was. Yeah, they did beat you one game, right? At, in Michigan. They beat you in Michigan, one yeah. game. Yeah. Only one. Not their sophomore year, though. No, sophomore year, can't. No, 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 no. <laughs> I remember, I remember, I remember Jalen. Look, I told Jalen Rose, you do this every time you cross half court, you throw this 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 pass cross court all nonchalant, lackadaisical. <laughs> I'm gonna get it. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> and I remember that dunk in Ann Arbor. It felt so good. Oh man. <laughs> so you go to Ann Arbor, you beat them. 12 points, five assists for you. You play them at home, 16 points for you. You sweep the Fab Five. Now, we could talk a lot about your senior year, but we have to focus on one section of time, and it's, it's a nice round number, 10 games. Alan Henderson gets injured right before the Purdue game, and that is the serious blow that truthfully prevents the team from being what they could be. Because yeah. as you said before, consistent, reliable, low post rebounding and scoring. It goes away. And and Easy's no longer there. You know you so now it's really just Allen and Matt who are the uh and Brian. And Brian Brian's coming on. Brian came on it. Yeah. And Brian's rebounding very well. But again, Brian will tell you he's no athlete. And Brian will tell you he's not rebounding the ball above the rim. But yeah, but what Brian but what Brian gave us was like a spark though because you wouldn't expect that out of him. It's true. You're right. Brian Brian Evans was a player. Yeah. Well, he look, a he became Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, that is remarkable. When did you see that? When did you be like, oh, Brian, this, you know, I'm assuming he was cocky and hilarious as soon as he stepped on campus. But when did you realize he was a truly special talent? His senior year in high school. Mm, hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. I play. I paid attention to, to, to players, who's coming in, high school basketball in general, because you just have to know if you're an Indiana basketball player, you know what's going on around the state. Um, so, you know our nickname for Brian, right? No. Lobes. Lobes? <laughs> Lobes. You got those ears, those, those, those lobes. Brian's got some of the biggest satellite dishes I've ever seen. I'm texting him right now, just going to say Lobes. Oh, he'll tell you loaves. He, he know. And he had that high and tight, too, that really made him Oh, pop. yeah. Oh, yeah. Military military cut. <laughs> so good. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, he was a baller. And he gave you a dynamic that was amazing. And, by the way, who knew how much it would be needed when Allen got injured? But here's what I want to talk about. Every time in any sport that a team sport where a player gets injured, a star player, you always hear – well, it's really not one guy that can replace the production because, you know, this guy's a star player. It's everybody's got to step up. Yes, that's somewhat true. But, Greg, what you did in those last 10 games of your Indiana career, have you, have you ever gone back and looked at the actual numbers of your last 10 games? 
I just remember senior night. That's the only game I remember. Well, hold on, because there's – look, there's a bunch of games here that we got to talk about, including the first game after Allen gets injured is against Purdue. Yep. Where you create history. Walk us through what you remember of that game. Well, I, I, I remember – me playing the point guard and slow Matt Painter and Matt Waddell trying to pick me up full court. <laughs> so now this nowadays, what I was doing is considered nowadays as floppy. <laughs> and Painter would tell you that. I, I, I did. But you can't pick somebody that's faster than you up full court. Right. No way. So what I would do, I just get ahead of steam and they try to run alongside of me. I, Give a little nudge, and, you know. By that time, we're in a bonus, and then we start double bonus, and I'm like, "Man, I'm on a streak." <laughs> did you I have feeling really good about that game? Did you have any idea how many free throws you had? I I didn't know the number, but I knew it was a lot. I thought it was more like 18. Well, it was 26 out of 28 to set yeah. an IU all-time record. You finished the game with 32 points. I mean, I, against by the way. Number 14, Purdue, ranked number 14. Yeah. And you guys had just lost Allen Henderson. So, yeah. and isn't big, big dogs out there at this point, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Your next game, and I won't go through every game, but I am going to go through some numbers. Your last 10 games, which includes the tournament, mm -hmm. you shoot 57% from the field, you shoot 57% from the three point line. And you average 22.3 points a game. You have games of 21, 19, 19, 32 against Michigan State, where we clinch the Big Ten Conference Championship. 27 points, 19 points, 22 points, 23 points. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but Calbert Cheney, who we had on, you know, you're Michael Jordan to your Pippin, said to us, that you were the best player on the team from the time Alan Henderson got injured through the end of that game. And he credits you got you for being able to do what you guys did without Alan Henderson. That's coming from Calvert. So it's one thing coming from us idiots, but it's another thing coming from Calvert. Well, I like to look, I, I, you know, and, and that, you know, that I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm humble <laughs> to, to be honest with you, but, I felt like everybody stepped up when Allen went down. Um, everybody had to do their part, uh, even more so than what they had previously. And I, and I've done some good things, uh, you know, previously. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I had, you know, stepping stepping it up was was it was going to be huge for me, because I always felt like I was already there. So Allen goes down, I'm like, okay, this makes me the number two. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's my time to shine, so I, I I took full advantage of it. But at the time when that happened, you're talking about a team and, a, and an individual and myself that was extremely confident. Even though Allen goes down, man, we were we were we were bummed. That I, man, I think we cut right at that point. We were done. We couldn't we couldn't think right or whatever. But to come back and play like we did, it was it was it was awesome. Um, it was. <laughs> It was awesome. You run run the table. You Minnesota was the one stumble, but you get to senior night. Big Ten's already in the bag, obviously, by a couple, three games. Uh, a young Ward Roberts 
convinced his father to take him down for that game. And of course, you guys just run him out of the building. And it's just this, as a fan, a chance to just cheer the whole time, not because it was a close game, but because we wanted to thank you guys for this magical four years. From a player's perspective, knowing that's your last game in Assembly Hall, what emotions are you going through? Hey, I get chills even thinking about it now because, you know, my mom who's and my aunt who were at that game, I, you know, I gave them a shout out. They're, they're, they're no longer here, so it was special. Uh, that's a memory that I know that my mom and my aunt, you know, took with them, and I'm glad they had an opportunity to see me grow um, from a, like I said, that little skinny kid on the east side of Indianapolis to senior night, IU, you know, what, what, what more could you ask for? I mean, it was, it was just, you get to share it with your, your teammates, but your classmates, uh, those seniors. And, you know, obviously Leary and Pat Graham, who they had the red shirt, but, you know, Nover was a, in our class, but he, red shirt it so you know but but me calbert chris reynolds uh were the only you know came in went out together right so it was special it was it was it was special that was probably if i had to pick two guys on the team that i was the closest with during my time there outside of leary it would be calbert and chris leary was just my leary was just my we were attached at the hip. We did. I introduced Larry to his wife. I mean, his first wife. I don't know if he married again or not. But as a very lovely girlfriend, very lovely. Girlfriend. Yeah. We haven't got to talk about Chris Reynolds. Give us a little insight on on the man and the player from your point of view. Probably one of the nicest individuals that you're probably ever going to meet. And when you meet him and know his personality, it's hard to believe that he's such a ferocious defender on-ball defender. Couldn't shoot. <laughs> nope. Couldn't do any of that. Nope. Meeksy either. Couldn't shoot. Nope. But, but what tough. they gave you with that, that, that tough, that toughness, that speed, that, that running a ball team. I mean, they had that. And Chris was, he was a worker. You know, whether it be on the court, in the classroom, he was a worker and he was pretty religious too. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the dude was, he was, you can't say anything wrong about Chris Reynolds and I'm so happy that he's doing what he's doing now. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to see. One of the things I, that just on Chris that made me realize how incredibly competitive the big 10 is high level division one is going to see the all-star tour after you guys all graduated and in the game I saw, Chris put up like 50 points. Maybe maybe, maybe you guys weren't playing defense very well yeah. either. I'm guessing a lot of layups. I'm guessing a but lot of layups. But he showed you something that he didn't show you during the seasons. No, yeah. you had no idea it was there. And you're yeah. like, wow. It's amazing is- what you do when you're not worried about coach yanking your ass. <laughs> there it is right there. There it is. <laughs> hey, we can play free. Right. So, Greg, if, if UCLA is one of my top three favorite Indiana games, Another game your senior year is in the top three. Sweet 16 game against Louisville. Rival team. You've got Dwayne Morton and all these guys talking a lot of trash. And that game is intense as hell from the beginning. 
You remember that game? And if so, oh yeah, what they do, got dealt with. Yeah, they got dealt with. <laughs> they got dealt with. And you throw in, of course, seven of eleven shooting from the field, twenty-two points in an NCAA Sweet Sixteen game, and you roll them. How good did it feel to beat Louisville? <laughs> because they were so close. Um, for an Indiana kid to beat any Kentucky team is is it's 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 special. Yeah. But then when they when they talked the way that they were talking during that game, you know, you, at some point you just got like, all right, hold up now. Y'all doing an awful lot of talking and y'all not winning. <laughs> what is it? But when you're playing top programs, especially with Hall of Fame coaches, it's special. And, I, and you're going to hear me say that a lot. It's special. These are, these are memories that you can't – that my son will have no idea Right. What I'm talking about, you know, and I like, look, that was a Hall of Fame coach right there. That's me playing right there. He, he, he don't know. Right. I know. It's he a don't different know. time. It's a just, different time. Just get, look, just get him listening to the podcast. We will educate <laughs> him on yeah. where dad comes from because it's, it is one of those things I even wonder now. You're an incredible coach to have as a high school player. And, and do you get the sense these kids you're coaching now have any idea of what you did? I mean, because there's the internet. They could go find out, but they're paying. They have. Okay, okay. Yeah, good. They have. Yeah. Good. good. I, I, remember, I remember getting a job and having my, my first meeting. And even every year from that point on when I'm, when I'm addressing them and I'm trying to make a point and – and I always ended like, if you don't believe me, check my resume. <laughs> Google me. And they do, and they, you know, these are smart kids. Yeah. They go do their homework. They research. They pull out all the YouTubes, the stats, and all that. And all, and they come back. It's like, coach, coach, y'all. I'm like, I ain't telling you something that I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you because I know. I've been through it, son. <laughs> Well, look, we don't want to focus on the way that that season ended because it, it was a – the truth is that game against Kansas was sad for most uh, I know, I know, part, I cried. I can't believe – I bet I'm not the only one here who cried. No, I cried. I was there, as we've talked about. It was in St. Louis. St. Louis, yes. The saddest yeah. part of the game, though, truthfully, Greg, is that Allen tried to give it a go. And you could he tell. Did. He did. You could go. tell. He couldn't go. And, and we was, were excited. We were excited that he was even out there. Yeah, I bet. But we knew we knew we weren't going to get the same Allen Henderson. You can't come back for something like that. No. And and what a ballsy guy. And this was a guy who had an NBA career in front of him. For him to rush back and not even think about it, like I'm coming back for my teammates, speaks to how special that group of players was, and how yep. special he was, and how how much you guys meant to him too. And if you weren't a close-knit team, that kind of thing doesn't happen. The season ends, and that that um, boost of confidence that Coach gave you a couple of years before, after your sophomore year, or after your junior year, I'm sorry, years. where he told you you could be an NBA first-round draft pick, it comes to fruition. I would imagine those last 10 games of the year, though, had a lot to do with raising your stock nationally. Because you really, oh, yeah. you really showcased yourself, and you get yeah, so, by the Charlotte. Well, well, somebody even showed me an article, or I think I read it was something in Bloomington. It was in the program or something where it was like 
the best guard in the country or something like that. And I, I'm sorry, I'm looking like, who are they talking about? Who are they talking about? <laughs> They're talking about me because of the stress, like you like you mentioned, and, and that probably had a lot to do with me getting drafted. What was that experience like, Greg? First round draft pick in the NBA. You know, I still couldn't believe it because I didn't even go to the draft. I did. I had a block party at my house. And, you know, <laughs> I still couldn't believe it. You know, I'm sitting there, all all my college friends, my girlfriend, and my fraternity brothers. They're all in my living room. You know, we're sitting there and. When that call came, as a funny story though, Willis Reed, the general manager of the New Jersey Nets, they had picked 16. He told me that they were going to take me. Really? You know who they took? No. Rex Walters. Oh, oh God! Kansas strikes again. When I tell you that's my nemesis, <laughs> that's my nemesis. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a guy that I remember Rex when he was at North Northwestern, Northeastern, whatever it was, Northwestern. He was good then. But then when he transferred to Kansas, I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Is he a whole different ball player at Kansas than he was at Northwestern? I mean, he was good at Northwestern, but just didn't have the talent around him. Now, now Greg, with Kansas being your nemesis and you having ties to the headquarters of the NCAA, are you checking in on them right now and making sure they're doing everything they can? I mean, can't we get them on some kind of death penalty? <laughs> yeah, can we just get them out of D1 for a while at this point? I mean, they had Snoop Dogg spraying cash at, like, strippers. <laughs> let me let me just tell you, that Kansas program, that blue blood right there, they ain't never going nowhere. Yeah. They can they can do so much, but it would – NCAA to, to – bring something against Kansas to, to actually stick and, and them get penalized for it would kill college basketball if, if it's not being done so already with everything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, no kidding. But that would totally just murder their program. Right. right that's so what we're for, going for. Yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> um, but so, so you go from being really disappointed when you hear Rex Walter's name called are you now thinking, holy hell, I don't know where I'm going to get drafted? Or did you still feel confident that you would go first round? Oh, I, I knew I was going first round. Okay. Uh, and I always tell people, it hadn't been for the, the, the underclassmen in there, I might have been a lottery pick. Wow. Mm. And then when yeah, you got Grant Hill, Jason Kidd, Chris Weber. Mashburn? Was cool. Mashburn in there? Mash was in there. Yeah. Yep. Mashburn was in there. Uh, I mean, was it, was there was it, a lot. I wasn't think the Anthony first Hardaway five, in there? Yes, I think the first like yeah. five. Calvert was the first senior. That's right. right. That's right. He was six number... to Washington. Yeah. Yes. How cool was it that the two of you got drafted in the first round? Were you did, were you able to talk to him on draft night? Do you remember at all? No, I think Calvert was. He was I think there. He might have been there. He, yeah, was. he was. I think there. he was there. He was yeah. there. We talked after that. You know, we played each other and all that. We you know, we shoot the stuff. So then you get drafted, you hear your name called. What's it yeah. like hearing your name called for the NBA draft? Did, what, so what, many emotions. Happened? Yeah. So many emotions are going through my mind at that moment that I didn't realize I was being beat up by all my friends and family and <laughs> hugs and kisses and all this kind of stuff. But my focus instantly went to, okay, now I have to drive, go downtown to Channel 8, 
to get on Sports Zone or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to do all these things. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. For a rookie in the, in the NBA, now, now, granted, now, I graduated from IU in 93, but I still had to complete my internship, which was with the Pacers mm-hmm. uh, on the business side. So I, I, you know, got drafted all this. So I'm still doing my internship. That's crazy. One, the, the one day I decided to wear a Charlotte Hornets sweatshirt to the Pacers, they're cracking out of there like, you didn't hear? I'm like, hear what? You got traded. <laughs> I didn't even know I got traded. <laughs> I had to hear from the Pacers. <laughs> You're wearing the wrong shirt. <laughs> when I tell you <laughs> all the funny stuff that has happened to me, I'm telling you. <laughs> wow. Well, look, you you did get to put the Indiana jersey on one more time for a couple of games up in Franklin for the filming of a movie called Blue Chips. Absolutely. How fun was that? Absolutely. Tell us about your experience being being <sighs> under Coach Knight one more time. I hated it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we knew we were shooting a movie. Now, what was weird was that, one, Nick Nolte was already following us around yeah. during the season. So to actually see all this come to fruition, then to have your teammate as a star role in the movie, <laughs> Ricky Rowe. <laughs> I said, Matt, your nose is crooked. How can you be a superstar? <laughs> and then you're not even that good to want 10 grand <laughs> up front. <laughs> so, the tractor, and, just the tractor. <laughs> yeah, just getting the tractor. That's what he needs. But oh, then also man. to have. Bobby Hurley oh, in yeah. the Indiana jersey. Yes. Blasphemy. Something about that that just didn't sit right with me. Good. I'm with you. Yeah, You're jo- the first person we've talked to that has finally said that that wasn't right. And you are correct. That was not right. Wasn't oh. right. You were now, better off putting Hurley on the other team, letting him play with those guys in the movie and be a star yeah. role in the movie than put it in you. If I was Hurley, I wouldn't have did that. Can you imagine trying to shoot a movie and they say, well, Graham, you have to wear a Duke jerk. Oh. No, you would, you would kill me. It would kill me. It would I wouldn't burn like my you flesh. anymore. No. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. There's no chance. Yeah, I can't do it. But Won't do without it. a formal apology. Um, right. So, Greg, clearly your relationship with Coach Knight changed after you stopped playing for him. At what point were you able to connect with him on a different level? Was it at the time that you were shooting blue chips or was it after that? Way after. Really? Um, yeah, I was coaching at Warren Central and maybe my third or fourth, fifth year, somewhere in there, um, that summer, he and Gino Oriema did a clinic in Chicago. Wow. And I was all in on that one. I was not missing that one. So me and my assistant coach, we drove up to Chicago, went to the clinic. Coach had no idea I was going to be there. Mm. So I sent one of the directors to go, you know, let him know that, hey, tell coach, you know, one of his players is out here. So he has me and my assistant coach come back there with him, Gino Oriema. They're just sitting back there shooting. And we were back there. We were just reminiscing. He's telling Gino stories. And Gino's like, hey, I know you. And, you know, it's just 
it's just an awesome feeling. And, and you know, and that's when he really opened up telling me he like, he, I, now I don't know if he's just blowing smoke up my ass or what, but he always said that I was one of his favorite players. Hmm. He tells me that every time I see him, hmm. wow. I was one of his favorite players. So at that moment on, I mean, I got my first picture with him, believe it or not. Wow. That's the very first picture I've ever took with Coach Knight. Do you still have it? Yes. You know where it yeah, is? Yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you. Oh, send us cool. a picture of it. I would love to see it. I'll send it to you. And so then that started a new relationship for you with him? Yep. Because yeah. it was outside. It was basketball, but it was outside of our relationship as far as basketball. You know, I'm a grown man now. Right. You know, I'm not that little. I, I still felt intimidated mm -hmm. a little because uh, that's just his 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 persona. But after that encounter with him and then that, that moment where we were just back there just shooting it like a coach and his former player. And from that moment on, I mean, I call him on his birthdays and, you know, and I wish I could have got back to Bloomington. Uh, but I, I, I really felt like it would have been special to be there, but I would have felt like I would have had an opportunity to really engage with him because so many people were there all his former players and you're talking about iconic players yeah. that were there you, as you, as you would have been considered if you, yeah, were. you're, you're I part mean, of that. You group. know, I mean, consider those guys. I mean, that was a hall of famer there, you know? <laughs> well, look, Isaiah is Isaiah, you know, that's he's, he's different, but as far as what you accomplished at Indiana, I mean, I'll read through the whole list again, if you want me to, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, it was, um, it's just, it's virtually unmatched. What you did mm -hmm. when you just look at the full player on the offensive and defensive end and the growth. That's the thing that, that I cannot be overstated is how you grew. But one yeah. of the things we love asking players, everybody that went through Bloomington, we got to ask you a few Bloomington-centric questions. Number okay. one, favorite restaurant. Can I say two? Sure, sure. sure. All right. I like Zagreb's. Yes. Buffalo's. Oh. Yes. Keep going. <laughs> Mama Bear. Yeah. Oh, oh, the three okay. for three. But wait, would that be your favorite pizza then? Yeah. 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 Boom. Okay. okay. And you know, we, we had our, our training table at the old the, the old the what's that called? The big wheel, the wagon wheel. The big whatever. wheel. Big wheel. I hated that. I hated the <laughs> meals, but man, I, I enjoyed the camaraderie with our teammates in there. We had to go there and get our meals. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fa favorite uh watering hole. Nick's. Yes. Yes. Jay Arthur's. Jay Arthur's on a Thursday where they had the dollar twenty-five picture, little Benny picture, uh, Long Island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most hated class. Oh, poli sci. I hated poli sci. Really? Hated it. I would love to take the class now. Yeah. With everything that's going, on, I would love to take it now, but. And I hated it. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. Did you have any favorite classes? I'm sure this is everybody's favorite class because this professor was just awesome. Dr. Wiggins and uh, <laughs> his uh, Af African American studies. Oh yeah, we've heard that. We've heard that. Yes. It, it wasn't so much the it wasn't so much the coursework as it was the professor who was presenting it. He was very influential in my mm. life and somebody I respect, miss dearly. But um, good man, good man. So, and and this maybe ties yeah. into with a, a a new dynamic with Coach Knight. When you've had 
a career in the NBA. You've been a professional basketball player. And in the state of Indiana, with the kind of career you had, the kind of teams you played on, you could come back to Indiana and maybe at this point anywhere in the country with what you've accomplished and sort of write your ticket. Like, I want to I wanna go here. I want to do this. But you decide ultimately you want to go back to your alma mater and be a coach for Warren's, Warren Central. And, and why did you decide to do that? I'm a loyal person. And if an opportunity presents itself where I can get in on the ground floor and contribute in some kind of way, and especially something that I had a, a lot to do mm -hmm. with, I would jump at it. Whether that's Warren Central, Indiana University, the NCAA, I love to go back and play in the NBA right now because they're making way more money than <laughs> I did when I was playing. But <laughs> any opportunity that, that that presents itself that allowed me to one stay close to the game, but still be an influential figure, a role model, and be able to teach our our, our youth, then that's what I ultimately will want to do. Wow, what a bunch of what a bunch of lucky kids! You you had a uh, Devin Davis go on down to IU and carry on the Warren Central, the Bloomington tradition, uh, and then when you you know where where you're at now, you're out you're feeling a little homesick. It, it, do you feel like this is whether it's where you're at now? Are you you're just a coach for life? I'll always be a coach. Whether I'm coaching or not, right. I'm always going to be a coach, whether that's – my son is eight years old. So he's going through basketball and baseball right now. And, you know, our little one-on-one -on -one sessions, I, I told him, it ain't pretty. <laughs> I'm not your dad. I'm not your dad when I'm out here doing yes. this. So, you know, I'm, I will always be a coach, but I can't say that I'm a coach forever. Mm -hmm. it, it, uh, ultimately, it, it takes its toll. It takes away from certain things that – you, you, you know, you miss out on a lot of family things being a coach. And, you know, my daughter, my oldest, she's in the military oh, now. Wow. What branch? And uh, Air Force. For her. And also she's in quarantine. She has COVID-19. How's oh. she doing? But, but she's, she's great. She didn't have any okay. symptoms or okay. anything. So she's, uh, she's, she's one week in with a week to go. Okay. All right. Good. But she's down in Florida. But, you know, she's down in Florida. Yeah, you, so, everybody has it there, yeah. right? She didn't want to be left out. Well, I'm saying my, my oldest. I forget what my, my train of thought. You got me thinking about You're her. talking about your, your son, that you really coach him up, that you're always going to be a coach. No oh, 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 and then see, okay, when my daughter was in high school and all that, I was coaching at, at, at Warren, and she was a softball player at Hamilton Southeastern. Mm. And... Sometimes I, I got workouts after school or, or training or weights, and I couldn't make all of her games. Mm. And to this day, we talk about it, and she always felt like sometimes being a coach, you know, I got all these other kids, mm. but I'm neglecting the one that, you know, is right here. And I said, that would never be the case. Mm. You know, you just have to, you know, you have to understand what I do and, 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 and be, you know, big enough and to share your dad even though you you got me you got me at home <laughs> you know they get me for two hours <laughs> right well Greg before we let you go you got to give us as you think back what's the funniest thing you ever heard coach Knight say to anyone 
the funniest? Yes. Look, come on. He's a funny guy at times. He had to have got you cracking up on something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? Coach didn't, Coach didn't become funny until he got on ESPN. <laughs> That's the only time he was funny. All right. All right. Fair enough. Look, Greg, I said at the beginning, you're my favorite all-time player. You did every single thing a player can do on a basketball court. Everything. And you did everything beyond well. You excelled everywhere. Watching your growth for four years was incredible. By the time you graduated, you were one of the best players in the world. And that is an amazing thing to say. Your legacy at Indiana is one of the greatest careers ever at Indiana University. I cherish my time watching you play basketball. I go back and watch your games all the time on YouTube, still do it. Hell, if I were you, I'd have a 15 minute highlight reel. I'd show every kid that played for you out there in Rhode Island. But you, you, were, you, you have no idea the impact you made on me and I know hundreds of thousands of other fans because of the way you played the game, the way you fought through the obstacles we didn't even know about to, to leave the legacy that you did at Indiana. Thank you, Greg, and thank you for uh, giving us the time today. And personally, thank your daughter for her service, please. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I'm always going to keep it 100 with my Indiana folks. To keep it 100 with you, because <laughs> Eric and I, your, your era, your teams will forever be our all-time favorite. I think when, when you're growing up and you guys are a few years ahead of us, that can never, ever be replaced. And we were all heartbroken that the sixth banner didn't get hung. But I think it's important that you know that we feel and we are representative of, of Hoosier Nation. You were a part of the, one of the greatest eras of Indiana basketball. And we know the same way with Scott May's broken arm with Allen's knee that it was bad luck that prevented that from happening. And you were and will always be one of the greatest Indiana teams of all time. And, and you'll always bring us so much joy with the memories we have and the YouTube clips we get to go back and watch. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I mean, it was a joy playing for such great fans, the best fans in the world. It was awesome. Uh, every game sold out. It was just great times. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad I was able to sit down with you guys and, and share share some of these wonderful memories and, and talk through some of these things. It was it was great. It brought back memories. Now you got me homesick even more now. <laughs> well, let's get you, once this pandemic lifts, let's get you back home to Bloomington. We'll meet you there. We'll go get some Mother Bears, maybe some Zagrebs, and, a, and buy you a drink at Nick's. And Buffaloes. Hey. We'll do all three. We'll do it all. Hey. Like, not spread out, back to back. Hey, trust me. <laughs> I'm making rounds. Hey, hey. I'm going to make my rounds if I'm there. <laughs> all right, Greg, be good, and hope you and your family are well. Who's your hysterics? Sometimes dreams really do come true, Eric. Yeah. I mean, I just – I. The image of him flying through the air, of him deeming somebody up. I mean, just little moments of games. I remember a specific dunk where he kind of his feet did a windmill because he was in a really weird position. 
we didn't get to talk about the amount of dunking that went on, no. particularly between him and Calbert. There's that, yes, they were incredible shooters, but those field goal percentages were really helped by the number of times he stole the ball and went down and dunked it. And six four. I mean, his athleticism, like people forget that like he was Oladipo before Oladipo. Exactly. That that's really the comp. And also the way he got better and better. Like he came in, you know, obviously heralded, but that he just went to a level nobody could really expect because so few players do that. And I am convinced that Greg Graham would be a star in today's NBA. I did want to ask him about it. The way the yeah. game's changed so much. It wasn't a three-point, it wasn't an off-guard three-point shooting, you know, focused game back then. Yeah. You know, I know it's not that long ago, but it's 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 20 years, you know, what, how many years it ago? Is, is it, it is, it's 20, 20 years, more. Like, since he was drafted, it's 27 Jesus, years. Jesus Christ. So it's 27 years ago. It was pound the ball inside. It was beat guys off the dribble. And that really wasn't his game. Plus, as a streaker, and he called himself like a slasher, like, I like the, a streaker better. Not a streaker. <laughs> As a slasher, those those lanes were clogged up with giant dudes back then. Like, no, that he, wasn't he, the game. Like, like yeah, the, the Bulls were taking over by the time he entered the league, but you're still in the wake of, of the bad boys. I mean, it is like you think Big Ten basketball is physical now. Try the NBA when he walked into it. Yeah, man, six foot four, athletic as hell, and shot over 50% from three. I mean, he would have been a he would have been a solid NBA player. Yeah, just timing did not help. Uh, I love the guy. I love his honesty. Again, I love when we get the guys that don't give you the answer that you would write in a Hallmark card about playing basketball. You know what I mean? We rarely do, and I think it really speaks to the character of the guys who look mostly. A lot of them just have positive things to say, so that helps. I was a little bit sad. Now that we're doing these on Zoom, we are getting to see these guys' face. It's it's a lot more like seeing them face to face. And he wasn't that way for the listeners listening for most of the conversation. But when he settled in at home and he popped up on screen, that was so cool. Like, it was the best. It's real. It really is, Greg Graham. There he is. Absolutely. It's it's talking to a childhood idol. I mean, it is just a childhood idol, number 20 flying through the air and d the hell out of somebody. I remember I would watch him D somebody up and then I'd play in my next youth league game and try to defend somebody like he did. And the guy would promptly go around me in one step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I realized I had not the quickness to, <laughs> I mean, the, defending a guard, it, it, it is, it's like a, uh, um, a quarterback in, in football. Right. You're against the most athletic guy on the field, on the field or on the court in basketball. He's coming forward and he knows what he wants to do and you have to react. There is no physical way you should be able to stop him. Right. A quarterback can't stop a wide receiver unless he holds him. Can't. <laughs> yeah, right? you, you gotta have loose hips, we've learned. Right. And in basketball, you just have to have incredible instinct, strength, quickness, intuition. And Greg had it all. And I think so much about, you always think about the offensive end of those teams, but when I think of the defensive end, him and Reynolds down, their butts are practically on the ground, on the yes. toes, and those arms just stretched wide. And it's like, yeah, even Sean Respert has trouble going around that. And not fouling. I mean, like how much have we seen in Indiana the last several years that like we just foul so much? 
You know, I mean, the college basketball game has become that, especially in the Big Ten. It's like you listen to Archie Miller talk about what our offensive strategy is. It's to get to the free throw line. I've got to say, I'm sure you've seen it and many of the listeners. It's the one-hour special they did about the 92-93 team. Oh, yeah, yeah. You mean way back when? Yeah, yeah. Don Fisher does the VO, but you you can find it online. And so just watching that again in preparation for this conversation, while joyous, was also horribly depressing because you see – how deep and how talented that team is. And you're like, oh my God, it wasn't just the starting five all-star team. It was like nine deep an all-star team. Yeah. And, 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 and throughout that season, you're seeing all those guys come in. You're seeing Pat Knight come in and make contributions. or when Todd Pat, Leary. Todd Leary coming in. And, and it was like how special that was and how wonderful it is to remember. And that even, even the, 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 the best teams – in the most relevant programs right now don't have that kind of talent and depth, you know, especially in the age of the one and dones and to have that much talent stay for that long and stay together and all like in a given matchup that you have the chess master on the sideline, having all these weapons to choose from and know how they could work together. We were so damn spoiled. We were, and it's what's hurt everything since. Yeah, no. Yeah, because they, they played beautiful basketball. They played it the right way. And Greg mentioned this. Um, I talked about how Coach gave them more responsibility and started to let them do more things. I wanted to get into that a little bit more. When you watch those teams, they were not passing five times or four times before shooting. They had license junior and senior year of the Cheney Graham years yeah. to go. And they were scoring a lot of points because coach knew they knew what a good shot was. And if it came after one pass, great. If it came after four passes, great. But they earned that. They earned that. And it's like, it's like a, like a, a a thoroughbred, you know, you got to keep them in their lane disciplined, you know, and then at a certain point you got to just let them go watching an hour's worth of them play basketball it's we really all should remember it to make sure that even like and this is something we didn't get to talk to Greg about and and just another reason he needs to be connected to the program now is because the guys in the program now weren't even a, a twinkle in their daddy's eye when that kind of basketball was being played in Bloomington and and you, I think you need to know from somebody who did it like Calbert with the 2012 13 team like what's the difference between a bunch of talented guys who you know want to win and and those teams that are like we're gonna win we're gonna show we're the team because when when you don't have it in the building anymore as a coach or older players where do you get it from five banners up there reminds you that, that it happened here at one point but I think you you need to hear the words and the war stories of those who who were there to, to just understand what it takes to get back to that level. And if anyone wants to understand it again, watch the 92 game against UCLA Elite oh. Eight. Watch the 93 either game against Michigan during the regular season. Uh, the Louisville watch, game and the tournament. Watch the Sweet 16 Louisville game. Like, those are just classic games to watch that show you what this team was. In that hour special, of course, you see Cheney get up in the face 
of um, Morton. Yeah. And it's just like, Best. And, and that's like, Oh, these, these guys are, these guys are a, a platoon. And then Nova comes in to like push and push Morton away. I love it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's great. I mean, we've talked to Calbert Chaney, Greg Graham, Matt Nover, Pat Graham, Todd Leary, Brian Evans. We need Alan Henderson. I think we scared him off. Uh, no, we might have. We did a costume. Yeah, his family was there. Was in the yeah, it wasn't great. Co- it wasn't our best moment. It wasn't our best moment. Uh, but I we think need I was Alan. mostly trying to do damage control. <laughs> we need Chris Reynolds, too. Absolutely. and like, I did email him. I did email him. So we're trying on Chris. Another one of these great players just going off into the world and, and accomplishing great things. And he's still, you know, a relatively young guy being the AD of a university. And you just, you know, that guy has so much to share beyond his experiences and knowledge on a basketball court. Agreed. All right, man. Well, we got to take another trip to the era that we all love so much. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but, but the sometimes, sometimes why? And we will be back to you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang on all the banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.